Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section. You can reach me that way as well. Other way works for me, just get a hold of me. If you want to hear more shows on a weekly basis, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the join button and become a member today because you'll get access to Thursday shows, which are member episodes, Tuesday shows ad-free, and the overtime segments when they are available. All that's waiting for you as a member to theconfessionalspodcast.com. And last but not least, go ahead and check out preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. Get yourself emergency supply, food, and gear that will last you up to 25 years on the shelf. The food will, at least. The gear will probably last a lot less time because I think you're going to need it beforehand. Anyways, that's fear-mongering. I'm going to move back from that. If you are interested in any kind of food preparation, go to prepare with the confessionalspodcast.com. All right, today we have an interesting show for everybody because I have in studio guests and I actually have three different, technically four podcasts outside the confessionals in this room right now, but one of them isn't going to be on the mic today. Uh, but we have three other podcasts on the table, at the table here, ready to chop it up today because. If people remember a couple months ago, I came out with an episode called Rise of the Nephilim and I had Joel from Van Tesla, aka Joel from the Kill the Mockingbirds podcast here in studio with Sean Chris. And Joel started talking about his experiences of uh, weirdness when he starts talking about a certain topic he's been diving into and trying to understand the Nephilim and fallen angels and he's breaking some grounds that he hasn't heard before and every time he talks about it weird things happen to these recordings that he's recording on for other people's podcasts so it happened to me it happened to eric from uncomfortable podcast and it happened to justin and jay from cryptids of the corn and they are all here in studio with me because i told you guys on that episode that we were going to do this again i was going to get all the guys here in studio and we were going to knock this recording out in one shot where joel can just go all in 100 no time limits 
He's going to go in on things and we're going to get this done. Hopefully we have a couple of different recordings here going right now in the studio as backups. And hopefully we can just get this thing done out to you guys and let you guys make up your mind and decide what you want to believe. But we have a very interesting conversation here for you today. That said, fellas, how are you guys doing? Living the dream. Eric, Tony, how are you? Good to see you. Yo. What's up, Joel? So uh, listen, uh, first of all, if Justin, listen, if you're sitting next to me, if I smell like a chick, it's because I wore, I, I uh, not wore, I used my wife, uh, her uh, body wash today. So I, I, I'm a little self-conscious. I keep smelling my wife. I'm like, why is my wife? I'm like, oh, that's right. No, yeah, I did actually. You know, Ward, you remember when Ward gave us absolute hell for that on the trip, the dog listen, trip. It exfoliates it the does. skin very well. It makes okay? me feel I'm great not, afterwards. I'm not apologizing for that. Uh, but no, I, I ran out of body wash and I so I used my wife's and, I, and I'm smelling her. I'm like, what the heck? And I'm like, these guys are going to think I smell like a chick, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but listen, guys, I appreciate you being here. I know uh, the trip was a long trip for all you guys. Joel had the shortest one. Was it four hours for you? Yeah, a little over. But yeah. Right, so, right. I mean, we got guys coming in from out of state and stuff for this whole thing. And it's something that, you know, I thought was important to do. And I thought it would be... Uh, fun to do, interesting to do. And uh, so I'm really grateful that you guys all thought the same. And so before we get into, you know, the, the the subject matter of the day and all that stuff, let's just go around the table and introduce ourselves to everybody. Uh, obviously, everybody knows who I am, but I'll actually do it. Actually, let me rewind. I'll actually do that now because um, you guys are going to be broadcasting this on your RSS feeds as well. So when this drops, it's going to drop on Kill the Mockingbirds. It's going to drop on Uncomfortable. And it's going to drop on Cryptids of the Corn all at the same time. So hi, my name is Tony Merkel. I'm a podcaster. I host the show, The Confessionals Podcast, and I'm happy to be here today. I'm Joel Thomas. Uh, I'm one half of the music group Van Tesla, which a lot of you know, I've been doing a lot of stuff with Tony. Uh, Everything actually. It's because so. you're a psyop and I'm a gullible guy. <laughs> That's what people are saying. They're saying you're a psyop. Listen, they Blame. tell they tell my partner Sean Chris the same thing. Anytime he jumps on another podcast or whatever, you know, I'm a Freemasonic uh controlled op. And the reason why they say that though is because you are a Mason. Correct. Yeah. In, in, in the sense of I, I was. No, you I, are. You never you never left, right? You're just not practicing. I'm not practicing. Right. And and I wouldn't go back sure. at this point. So yeah, I don't know if there's ever a phase that you get out. I, I, I've talked to other guys that are in the same situation as me where they just left. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, once you've been through, you've been through, you can't take that part back. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I get people that, especially in our world, <laughs> you're going to be paranoid and leery and yeah. I understand why people can be that way. But I also know that uh, people can change and mm -hmm. all that stuff too. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, I'm also part of Kill the Mockingbirds with Sean Chris. We just talked about that too. Uh, I've been working with him now for four months. Uh, he had a podcast running for a while, but he was looking for a steady partner and it just worked out. He and I do music together too. So it, it all worked out around around the table on that one. Yeah. Before we move on to Eric here, I forgot to do this and I'll have you do it too. Uh, my show, The Confessionals, what I do is... I interview, and I hate the word interview. It's more of a conversation. I have conversations with people who've had paranormal encounters. They share it. We have a good conversation. And I personally strive to be having an environment on my show where it's like the Joe Rogan of paranormal. That's mm -hmm. what I, I shoot for. Obviously, I'm not that or else uh, <laughs> the world would know my name and I wouldn't need to introduce, introduce myself. But, right. uh, but that's kind of the format of my show. We open up the show and we have good conversation and let people decide for themselves what they want to believe. And a lot of people walk away with a lot of food for thought and they, they're like, huh, if that's true, 
then I have to realign how I assess the way I think about things, you know? And so it really challenges people through conversation. I like that. So uh, Kill the Mockingbirds, what do you guys talk about? What is, what is the formatting? I'd say a pro- we're probably the most different from the three podcasts here or the four podcasts here. Sean and I do a lot of shows together. We break down topical uh, evaluations of news during the week or things going on in the government. Um, you know, we do a lot of deep state dives and stuff like that. So we're very anti the system. Uh, you come over to our show, your butt cheeks are probably going to get yeah, tight. Yeah, you're going to get offended at something. They're going to get tight. <laughs> uh, and I'll be honest with you, we go against a lot of things, woke culture, a lot of things that people are scared to talk about. Um, but we do delve into the paranormal yeah. cryptids a lot. And we have a lot of guests on the show that talk about those topics too. Because the one thing, and Sean is really good at mapping this out to people, one thing that we want to do is find the thread that ties it all together. The one thing I can't stand with people is when they believe one thing but cannot even open their minds up to the other side of it. So when we're talking about government conspiracies and a lot of that stuff, which she and I do really well, uh, it ties into the paranormal. Mm-hmm. It ties into cryptids. All that stuff's intertwined. We always laugh at people that are like, well, I believe in angels and then I don't believe in aliens or I believe in aliens and I don't believe in angels. Like It's laughable at this point yeah. because you're not giving your mind a space to be open-minded to a lot of stuff. And like I said, your butt cheek's going to get tight. It's like, when I talk about flat earth and Eric gets tight, he's getting tight right now. He's getting tight right now. Yeah. He's, you know, he's ready to go. Pushing like, my buttons. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, because we're very open-minded. Like, like, and just for the record, I, I'm not, I don't consider myself flat earther. I, I give it about a 10% shot because I've never been to space one and I've never been to Antarctica and that's the two places they talk about. And I also know that NASA's a lying sack. So at the end of the day... <laughs> That's where I'm going to go with that. I'll give it that 10% shot. He hates that 10%. He's ready to squash it out. He's looking at me right now, ready to fight. Yeah. But that's fine. <laughs> but at the end of the day, that's what we do. We push buttons. And we don't do them just to push buttons. We're doing it because we want to push the framework of your mind to get outside of your matrix. Because that's the issue. Everybody has their own little matrix that they're comfortable in. I think if your butt cheeks aren't getting tight twice a week, then you're not challenging yourself. And I think it should be. You How should many episodes yourself. you put out a week? We put out one a week. So we, we, people got to find one more episode, one more show to tighten their butt cheeks. <laughs> or, or, or just find anything, something that's going to challenge the framework of what you think. And, yeah. and, and one thing, and, and you know, Tony, like I put out a lot of reels on Instagram and people get real tight with them, especially when I challenge the framework of the Bible. And, I, and I'm a, an absolute believer in the, in the word of God is the word of God. But how you interpret it, there's a lot of ways to interpret it. And I think the supernatural aspect's been taken out of the Bible. Yeah. So I put that back in there, the actual supernatural, the fantastical, that's supposed to be, you know, talked about. The giants, the Raphaim, the Nephilim, all that stuff. And people get so worked up with just any nuance that doesn't work out with how they think that the Bible works. Listen, like, if you're getting hot and mad, don't get mad at me. Go look it up. And after the fact, you look it up and you still don't think it's true. Cool. I'm cool with that. But I'm just challenging people because I challenge myself all the time. And I'm telling you, like, I'm wrong a lot. But you know what? I learn something every time I'm wrong. I don't get mad about being wrong. You should be happy about being wrong. Matter of fact, you learned something today. Okay. So um, come off. <laughs> because this whole episode you're going to be preaching. So let, true, let's, true, true. Let, let's, 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 uh, don't you dare take that long introducing your show. Go ahead. Go, Eric. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Eric Slodgy. I'm the host of Uncomfortable Podcast. 
just a little over a year and a half uh, coming up. February will be two years. Um, paranormal, everything under the umbrella of that. Uh, you can find me at Uncomfortable Eric. That's the easiest way to search the program. Uh, there's several uncomfortables out there. So, um, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier in the afternoon. And when I decided to start doing this, one, I've had a love of paranormal and the weird for the majority of my life. And, you know, years ago, when I started listening to your show and I started listening to Wes Germer with Sasquatch Chronicles, um, I found myself listening to them talk to their guests, listening to you talk to your guests. And it, I realized that I've been, in, I've been steeped in this stuff so long that I had good knowledge about the variety of things that were being talked about. I was not like, oh, I think I can be a podcaster because I like ghosts. That wasn't it. It was, it was something that I found myself listening to other shows and not saying I could do it better, but I was on par with every guest that I heard. And I was on par with the majority of the, uh, the intellects of the hosts to be able to do that myself. And at one point it just hit me and it's like, you know, I've been, I've been spending so much time with this stuff. Why not give it a shot? And, uh, you know, it gets some legs and, Definitely. uh, then you were gracious enough to have me on your show. And I'm looking at it right now, episode 464, The Bigfoot, The Witch, and The Dog Man is what I called it. I didn't know what else to call it, but yeah, that, uh, that, pretty much that was a pretty legendary episode, episode 464. And just to let people know, Joel was episode 331, The Devils in the Music. Uh, Joel is the one that I've been playing outro music for on our show for better part of a year at least now. And I'll just let everybody know before while I'm on the topic, Eric, uh, Cryptids of the Corn, the podcast that I did with them hasn't been released yet. You will hear it in a few weeks from now, but it's a goodie. You know, and the, the, the last thing I'll say is, you know, uh, a huge thanks to you and a thanks to all the listeners for supporting the show. Um, my show, your show, Kill the Mockingbirds and Cryptids of the Corn. Um, the interesting thing is that Joel's been on your show. I've been on your show. Now, Justin and Jay have been on your show. Joel's been on my show. Justin has been on my show. I've been on Justin's show. Joel has been on Justin's show, but you have not been on my show. <laughs> I haven't been on their show either. <laughs> I'll be on your shows. I'll be on your shows. I'm just. Did you invite me I'm on your show? Not yet. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, it's I'm very, doing the setup. <laughs> it's it's very possible that you invited me on the show. I'm like, yeah, bro, just get back to me in like three months. I'm really busy because no, I, I guarantee you, there's probably two dozen podcasts right now listening that heard that line. They're like, like because they reached out to me like in the beginning of the year. I'm like, I'm in the middle of moving, and then I moved. And like, ready to go? I'm like, actually, I'm not even in my studio yet. And then I get my studio. I'm like, ready to go? I'm like, actually, I'm catching up on work. Hit me up at Christmas time. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, but I want to go on people's shows. It's just literally, I'm, I'm, it's, it's crazy right now. It is crazy. So, yeah, it is crazy. So, yeah, I mean, just big thanks to you and uh, thanks to the listeners. And I'll, I'll tell you, uh, and, and we're, we'll, this is going to be probably a really long episode. So mm -hmm. people are just going to, uh, um, you know, it, it, but before I forget, Christian, can you just keep an eye on the counter of time there? And I don't know if the, it says how much time is left on the SD card, but if we, we start getting close to that time, just let me know. 
I think we have probably about four hours of audio on this thing. Um, but we can explain why that, that was even relevant in a second. Uh, but I, I'll tell you what you guys kind of what I was talking about earlier stuff, which is just um, I, I was fortunate to become friends with Wes from Sasquatch Chronicles very early in my podcasting career. And um, between Wes and uh, my, my now good friend, Sam Tripoli at Tinfoil Hat Podcast, those two guys um, both have uh, much bigger shows than I have. And uh, their example of promoting good people, not good podcasts, because that's to the eye of the holder of the listener, mm-hmm. but good people and just... Um, Allowing other, not trying to hog a spotlight and understanding that this isn't a competition. And in all reality, like Eric, if if you thrive, it helps me. Whether I like you or not, it helps me because when people are looking for your show, there's a good chance they stumble across my show, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Vice versa. So it, it's one of those things where it's not a competition, and uh, I want to have my my ship in the same bay as your ships because when the rising tide comes and Eric's blowing up or Joel's blowing up or Jay and Justin are blowing up and their shows are getting bigger than mine, I'm going to be really glad that I was friends with you guys and I was kind to you because I could be like, <laughs> yo, man, like, yo, you have like a million followers now. Can I come on your show and do an episode with you? <laughs> and hopefully you're like, return a favor. Like, yeah, man, of course. You know, so well, you know, you, I, I you, like you, but it's all selfish why I help people. <laughs> but you, and you say that and, and my response to that to you is going to be something that last night um, you kind of refuted. Um, but I'm going to say it anyway, because, you know, I've I've tried you know, anybody who's listened to the the episode that I did with you will realize that I dealt with a lot of negativity for a long time in a situation. Yeah. Um, and I make the choice now to surround myself with good, positive people. And when I say, I feel you're a good person, it's because of the actions that I've seen you in your relation to me. Mm. Um, so I'm going to say, I like being a part of that same bay because you're a good person and what you do for other podcasters by letting them come on your show. That's a huge thing. So I know you don't like being told that you're a good person because many people don't know you, um, but <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think you're a good person well, for, it, for the things that you've done. My, my thing is so. it, it's the gauge thing, right? So uh, you could like somebody and, and say, that's my friend and we get along great. And that same person somebody else is like, I can't stand that effing guy. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's the gauge, right? And right. so when it comes to goodness, it's all about the gauge. And I'm like, I'm good compared to who? Compared to what? The guy who murdered people? Sure, maybe. But there's always somebody gooder, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when we were talking, we had a very deep, I think, spiritual conversation where maybe it was just me just parenting right. yesterday. I don't know. I walked away thinking, did I get too preachy? I don't know. But um, in that conversation, my, my whole point was, um, I think the the only true pr- true pure um, uh, platform of, like the example of goodness would be Christ, and so compared to that, I suck. So when people are like, "You're such a good dude," I'm like, "Yeah, but you you don't you you don't see me when the microphone and the camera's off, and I'm having a bad day." And I punch a hole through a wall because I didn't know what else to hit. You know what I mean? Which hasn't happened in a couple of years. But <laughs> like, <laughs> but in the reality is like, like you know, like, like for, for example, I'll say on the show at times or I'll be having conversations with people, you know, that I, I have a very short fuse and I do. 
And people are like, I can't imagine you getting mad. I'm like, you just spend a week with me. (laughs) But people, that's the thing. I mean, as podcasters and stuff, people hear an hour, two hours of our, Mm. our, our week, you know? And they, they, they're left to draw conclusions. So they're like, I can't imagine getting angry because you haven't heard me get angry. Um, and so anyways, before we get too far off topic, uh, hey, Cryptos of Corn, last but not least, how you guys doing? <laughs> the dream. I'm Justin. I am one half, one third of our show. Jason over here in the corner. He doesn't want to say anything. Yeah, no, it's it's fine. Yeah, we. I, I'm I'm one of these loser podcasters that only have five microphones <laughs> in the studio. I should have had six. So... <laughs> uh, but our show, uh, we like to say where we're scientific thinking and magical thinking meet. Jay is definitely much more of the the magical thinker. And I I was a biologist for a while, so I try to bring the biology and everything we do. We cover the small cryptids, big cryptids. We have interviews on. We just cover fun topics with it. Uh, like an episode we have, like we did phenotypes and genotypes with Bigfoot. So it's the science with Bigfoot just to kind of help mix them in together. Yeah, that's pretty much what we do, right? Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys being here, everybody, actually. And uh, so uh, let's get into the meat of the show before we, you know, tickle each other's fancies too much longer and, <laughs> and, and say how great, great each other are. Um, this topic that we have been uh, toying with for a while has all been circulating around uh, Joel and what he's been diving into. And every time he talks about it on somebody's show, things go haywire technology-wise. And so what we're going to do today is we want to um, recap what has happened on people's shows leading up to today. We're going to do it briefly. Uh, But then after that, we are going to go into Joel and let Joel take over the show and share in depth what he's thinking, how he views all this stuff. And we're going to have a good conversation. And then afterwards, we're actually going to talk about some new developments as far as weird, bizarre, crazy things that have been happening to us in the last 24 hours. Uh, You guys all had weird experiences coming down that correlated with one another. And you guys didn't ride together. Uh, Eric might have gone through... Well, no, not even might have. He definitely had lost time. I mean, there's no... He he set out to have an eight-hour ride and turned into an 11-hour ride and recalling what happened is hard. Um, but entities have been seen, people have been touched in the last 24 hours. And uh, we'll get into that after Joel shares everything. So um, I guess what we'll do is we'll start off with Joel and Cryptids of the Corn, right? Is that how you want to do it? Eric, that's where it started was with me and Eric oh, that's right, uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 And I'll kind of let Eric take it to start with because he and I will talk back and forth about what happened to us there and then we can jump to what happened with uh, Jay and Justin and I next, for sure. Well, you know, Joel came onto the show for the third time, and the first two first two episodes that we did together, we didn't have any any real problems at all uh, that were notable that I can remember. Yeah. Um, and you know, fairly recently, within what the last two months, uh, he came back on for the third time, and uh, we'd been talking about it for a while. We came up with this. Uh, this name portal babies and you know i think it's it was even prior to salt fork state park uh big yeah no, for sure um and you know he he we finally get to the day to record and you know i've got a roadcaster pro i've got good equipment we're using uh zencaster and uh, we get connected and immediately i've got a very low pulsating vibration that is audible 
in my headphones. And I'm asking him if he can hear it, and he can't. And, you know, the first, I don't know, five minutes of, of my recording, I hadn't even turned his mic on yet. I, have, I wasn't even bringing his, his voice into the feed yet. And I was, I was struggling trying to figure out, you know, I've, I've used this equipment in the same place, in the same outlets, with the same wiring for, you know, an upwards of 90 shows now. And I never had this problem. And I looked over at the, the roadcaster and I was just like trying to grab in my mind, you know, like, do I wiggle a cord? Do I, you know, what do I do? And as I was looking at the touch screen on the roadcaster, it started to vibrate left to right. The, the screen, the image on the screen started vibrating. And I said something about it. It's, it was, I think I even left it in the, uh, the beginning of the episode finally we <laughs> i took a line out of a movie or a, a a guy from tv and i'm like f it we're going live you know so I, I just brought him in and he starts talking and then all of a sudden i'm getting not only do i have this pulsating low vibration in my ears then i'm hearing a clicking and at first i'm thinking that he's not very cognizant about being on a microphone and he's like clicking a, a maybe a ballpoint pen or something and then the more that I kept hearing it, it wasn't, it wasn't like a pattern that was, um, perfectly spaced out. There'd be like, click, 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 click. And the more I kept hearing it, it started to remind me of like, it, like in 1989, I had a Mac quad quadra 850 or whatever it was. And the mouse that it came with had a very, very hard, distinctive click. And that's what it was sounding like. And I thought, well, maybe he's, Maybe he's doing something on his computer while we're trying to, to do this recording. I'm just picking it up on the mic, but he's using a laptop and it's got a, it's got a touchpad, you know, and, and silent, silent keys on it. So, you know, I'm, I'm telling him about these things and he's, he's not able to hear it. It's not coming through on his end. And ultimately when the recording was done, it didn't come through. It wasn't noticeable on the recording at all. It was all stuff that I was getting audibly, but, um, and, uh, so like I said, we were using Zencaster throughout the course of what, 90 minutes of recording, yeah. we got, we got booted off of the Zencaster, um, 10 ser times server, 10 times. Wow. 10 times, 10 times. Just so the audience knows anybody listening, Zencaster is like, uh, zoom. Uh, if you're familiar with Zoom, only it's it's a program. It's not a program. It's a website, and there's these websites that are popping up now. Uh, I use Riverside FM, which is like Zen Zencaster. Uh, but what it is is it records uh, the my like if I'm the podcaster and I have a guest coming on there in California, it'll record that guest and me, but it will record my video and audio locally on my computer. And they will record their video and audio locally on their computer. And when we're done recording, it will automatically upload their audio to the cloud over to me, so that it's not tr their audio isn't traveling through the internet, getting compressed where I where I record it on my end. So it gives a better audio purity. And I think that's important because this is uh, this is a, supposedly a new superior type of technology than Zoom, and you're having this issue. Yeah, it's not localized to just one of us, right? It's, it's, it's happening to both. Yeah. Um, you know, so at about the point where, you know, cause we, we got past the whole, 
the audio stuff that I was dealing with, you know, in my headset. Um, but he gets to the point where he starts talking about Hitler and his, uh, his passion for the occult and the things that he was doing and the Hillary Clinton with the, um, uh, the emails that, uh, WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks, uh, let out. And then the, uh, <clears throat> the subject of the Nephilim bloodlines and stuff and, uh, and soulless meat sacks, you know, being, uh, created by possibly being created by our, our government. That's when the, the multitude of us getting kicked off as Zencaster started happening. And, uh, you know, so we got through it. There was a lot that was going on there. Um, and, you know, taking into consideration that I've done 90 plus shows and I've used the, the equipment over 120 times, you know, with the other little bonuses and stuff that I've done, I never ran into anything like that. I've, I look at that roadcaster almost, you know, religiously throughout the recording with every, every interview I do. And I've never seen that screen do that, that vibrating back and forth. Um, so, but we make it through and then, you know, Joel needs to send me his, his, <laughs> his portion of the recording and, and just, I'm going to interject real quick. I was also recording on my end so he could have, um, a clean wave mm -hmm. just so, of me. So it yeah. sounded like we were both in the same studio. It's beautiful. You know, um, for the best listener experience. Right. Yeah. And he, he goes to send me his, his audio track and it's, it's, it's in two parts and I get the email and I was, I was actually in the car when you told me that mm -hmm. you sent it to me and I said, okay, when I get home, I'll check. And, uh, I got a notification on my phone that I got an email from Joel, got home, went to uh, retrieve that. And, you know, like I said, we were 90 plus minutes and I got two emails and each one of the, the wave files that were in the emails were 20 minutes even. But I nope. sent him two separate, I sent him two separate wave files because when we got cut off at that Clinton piece, I had stopped recording and I started re-recording again. So I had it in two parts. So one part was 28 minutes, roughly. Mm -hmm. The other one was a little over an hour. Yeah. So what you sent him was not what he received. Is what exactly. So you upload a file. Two, two files because I two. sent him both parts. To what though? What what what's one was the, around twenty eight minutes. But how'd you other. email it? How how'd you email? I think Dropbox was Dropbox, the first Dropbox or Drive. I can't remember. Then, it was one of the two. And then you had okay. to do it a second and a third time. And finally, when you did it through Drive, I was, was. I was able to retrieve the entire entirety of his. Recording. But both of them showed up at twenty minutes flat, which mm -hmm. neither file was twenty minutes. Not like twenty minutes and three seconds, or twenty minutes and twenty seven seconds. Twenty minutes each. 20 minutes, period, each. Okay. Well, go ahead. So, I mean, you know, that, that's pretty much the okay. entirety of, right. of what happened. You know, I mean, I could go into all the little idiosyncrasies that happened sure. throughout, but, you know, that's, that's, the, I, that's the basis of the brunt of uh, the, the thing. So, so the, the, the website that was giving, the, dro the dropping website that was giving the issue was Dropbox, right? That's what you're saying? With the 20, you were getting 20 minute, audio files from Dropbox link when he, when the, when the recording was complete and he was sending me his full audio so that I could stitch it together. I received an email and it had two files in it and each file was 20 minutes long. Mm -hmm. 
when we we recorded for an hour and a half, give or give or take a little. Um, so once I finally got the full full thing on the third set of emails, and I think I think finally it was through Drive that I was able to get the whole thing. Gotcha. It, there was one that was uh, um, 28 minutes and the other one was like an hour. Okay. So um, it was odd because both the files that I sent him that said there were 20 minutes flat, they were two separate files and it was two separate recording hmm. pieces, and, and but the, they were just cut off at 20 minutes a piece, which neither of them were 20 minutes. And like he said, it wasn't like 20 minutes and some change or something that would make sense as a recording. These are 20 minutes flat. And what, what was really odd, though, is like, you know, so I was running the interview, right? Um, but you started the Zencaster, right? So I was doing the recording. He sent the invite to me to start the Zencaster recording. No, you did. You sent it did to I? me. Did I? But yep, you, were, you were the one. Okay, but you were the only one that was seeing the errors when we were getting kicked off the server. Right, correct. I didn't know what was going on. He had he kept reading to me whatever the uh, and I forget what the error said. I can't remember this. Um, where where we're getting bumped off the server. Mm. Okay, so that was the uh, initial issue. first incident, and so you're like, huh, weird. Uh, correct. But well, we didn't think too much into it. Now, yeah, I mean, at that point, we're talking like, okay, technical issues. Right. I mean, I'm going to go a little bit further because it's me. So I'm thinking a little bit. I'm, I got the grin on my face afterwards. Mm -hmm. He's not happy just like the rest of you weren't. But he, you know, he's, you know, and I'm thinking too, I was like, hey, at least I reported on my end. So you're going to be good. But then that happened. And I'm like, that's weird. But whatever. I sent it to him. And he ended up getting it. So we got through that. Um, in my head, I'm thinking something. But, you know, again, one time, I'm not going to go too deep with it. I'm going to think it's odd, but whatever. <laughs> we live in this space. All of us do. We know, you know, there's coincidences. There's mm -hmm. things that, that aren't something. You can't put a tag on everything, right? But then I get to cryptids of the corn and it gets a little crazier. So yeah. I'll let Justin get into that. So basically, we had John for what, like an hour, 15? It was pretty normal. Talking about Dogman, the, do the Dogman documentary. Right. And it was fine. It was normal. And then you start getting into stuff and our complete system shut down. But it wasn't the outlet because the computer's hooked up to the same outlet and the computer was still on. The recording, so we used the Zoom PK4 which has a battery pack in it to prevent those things. So basically you can run on that battery for four hours and it should have just seamlessly transferred. It completely went out and it would not come back on until I unplugged it and plugged it back in. And thank goodness it saved the audio up to that point because that's like, I, I don't know what happened. Is it just everything, everything went black. And I called, I actually called Zoom, the company, and they swore up and down that that shouldn't be possible. We had bad, you know, that specifically it was made for those situations when you lose power so you don't lose a recording or so you don't have to stop recording. Mm -hmm. The battery packs four hours. We've never used it before. You know, we never had to use it. Justin, uh, let me ask you. Go back real quick. At what point? What was the discussion about when you had the the? And, and am I asking you that because you're 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 struggling? I can see you're looking. I can't back in your memory. I know. I went, it was right I went when back. We switched. I went back to the the episode and I listened to it. And specifically, 
Joel was getting into the meat sack theory. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, and the government making meat suits for fallen angels to inhabit to take over the world, and um, and as well as fallen angels uh, disguising themselves as aliens to leverage against humankind. Because um, we talked about Dogman forever. Not one weird blip. Not one thing. And then it was pretty much immediately after we switched, and it just was it was freaky because at first I'm like. In my head, I'm like, okay, I lost the breaker kicked or something, but I'm plugged into the outlet with a computer. I wouldn't see Joel. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have anything else if it was the outlet. And I'm thinking, well, this is impossible. Literally, we bought the Zoom PK4 for that reason. So like when we go to conferences and stuff like that, if we don't have power, we can still record for, you know, four hours and it works fine. And it really wouldn't, wouldn't turn back on, would not respond, wouldn't do anything until we fully unplugged it, gave it a little bit, plugged it back in. And then we said, all right, we're not talking about that anymore. And then we were fine. It was truly... Oddly enough, we had no plans of getting involved with this Mm -hmm. part of the conversation. This was just about my trip with you guys to Kentucky and the Dogman documentary. Uh, We'd been talking about doing this for several months. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where it divulged. I think it had something to do with Jay. Because Jay always has to get on some weird stuff, which I'm always willing to do. And I don't know how we got on it. It just shifted. And then as soon as it did that happened, which then my brain starts dinging a little bit back to what happened with Eric. And I'm like, well, maybe there's something going on here. Yeah. So, I mean, you, after that incident, you talked to me about it (laughs) and, um, I, uh, I don't want to hijack. Are you good? Yeah. Okay. Am I jumping too far ahead? No, I guess let me just interject here Mm -hmm. because at, at a point during my interview with Joel, there was there was some some thought that you know there's uh you know much like he had his TikTok taken down. It's like is he is he saying something that's affecting an algorithm that is recognizing that he should be shut down? Mm. You know, is even to the extent where you know the three letter agency or such you know spears you know, theorists. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, but but it does enter in your mind. And then, you know, I mean, my dad was in the military when when I was a young kid. And I remember there was a point shortly before he was hit and killed by a car at fifty that there were certain phone calls that would come to the house where he would put a a recording on the on the landline because there were certain conversations that he felt necessary to record. And I remember that there was a clicking because at one point I had a phone in my bedroom and I would dad be recording. I would would put my finger on the thing, lift the handset up and then slowly lift up so I could hear it. And I remember hearing a click every so often during that. So I'm thinking, you know, wiretap is, you know, yeah, my mind's just running the gambit of, you know, but then, you know, you, I guess, go into yours and, so, and I'll have something to follow up yeah. with after so, that. Go ahead, Justin. I did, I did remember the other thing. We had a dog scratching on our door when we were recording. Remember, Emily was hearing it. Yeah. And we, we have two dogs. One was in the cage and the other one stays in the living room. It's that nine pound dog, Clarice, yeah. that's ancient. But so all of our podcasts, so there's like three doors to get to the studio. And normally she'd have to open all three of them. We'd have heard her come in. But then we just like, dang it, she's scratching. I'm really hoping that's not picking it up. I'm like, I don't poke Emily. Uh, and I'm like, we'll go, you know, just try to silently get her out. 
she's asleep in the living room and none of the doors are open. So it's not the dog. Mm. And other stuff was happening. We kind of blew over it because we're just like, then like two minutes later, or it's like everything goes black. Yeah. That was the other thing. I'm glad I remembered. So um, with with all that stuff happening, and me and Joel, we talk a lot. I mean, we you mm. and I do the films together. You're working on music. Every time you have a new song. By the way, I did listen to that song you sent me the other day. I don't know if I told you, but it's it's good. Oh, yeah. GTA? Yeah. yeah so, that comes out in uh, uh, two weeks. Cool. Cool. Well, actually, that would be the week that this drops, I believe. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so we talk a lot, and you're telling me about this stuff. And, uh, you know, like, listen, I'm like... Okay, bro. You know, like, he did actually do that, guys. For everybody yeah. that's listening, he laughed at me. And, 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 and you know, he did. And, and I get it too, because we joke around a lot anyway. Yeah. And he knows I go to the first extent first. And, 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 and I, again, like, uh, we were talking about this earlier stuff, people thinking they know you kind of think like, like, I know I have fun, great stories and stuff, but when it comes to the, I don't like reading into things a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, especially when it's, when it's close to me, if it's, if it's somebody on the other side of the country and they're telling me a story, I'm all about reading into it. Let's, let's <laughs> but when it's, when it's some, one of my friends, it's like one step away from me. I'm like, let's, let's pump the brakes for a second. Let's make sure this is just make sure this is crazy and not just something normal, you know? But, um, I was just like, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, you said that you were going to talk about it here. And I was like, well, let's just see what happens when you... I mean, listen, you're going to be in person. This will be the first time you talk about it in person with the with the podcast. And, you know, I have my my whole system here set up and, you know, no, no internet connections and all that crap. And um, I, I didn't... I didn't uh, honestly, I didn't even really think a whole lot about it while we were recording. Uh, I know I didn't really think much about it. Uh, and I didn't expect... Really I thought we were cruising through. I thought we cruised yeah, through nicely. Yeah, I mean, it was it's a good conversation. Uh, I wasn't thinking about any technical issues. I I wasn't. Um, it just wasn't on my radar because mm -hmm. I did not expect anything to happen at all. Um, I just thought I was pumping out a great episode. It was a good episode, but unfortunately, the second half people couldn't hear the audio like they do now. They had to hear the audio off of uh, two uh, camcorders I had running, which I was thankful that I had going because I don't have them going right now. Um, and people are like, why aren't you? We have another recording here. Don't worry. <laughs> but um, well, after that recording, I, you know, I get up and I see that the recording stopped. And... I was like, actually, let me rewind here. Before we even sat down to record, I actually, the day before, got my new supercomputer. I don't know what else to call it. Uh, I, got a, I got a new computer for the, the, the media company. We're doing the films. We needed a computer that was capable of really pumping out films. And so I was changing up the studio in here. And I, uh, I went to go get uh, to 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 plug everything in, and my mixer stopped working, and I'm like, "What the heck?" Like literally, lit like literally, it was working. I unplug it from one computer, and I go to the next computer, and it stops working. And I'm and I remember I was mad. Yeah. I was mad, and um. And so I recorded it to when when we when you came down, 
we set up Rodecaster Pro, just like Eric has, uh, exactly the same model Eric had. Mm-hmm. Um, I set up uh, the recording to go to the SD card because I couldn't figure out why my Rodecaster Pro was not communicating with my new computer. It was not communicating. Now I'm starting to think about that too now. So yeah, I, it wasn't communicating with the new computer. I plug it back into the old computer. It wasn't communicating with the old computer. It was working. It was working fine. This is what I do. I'm here every day in the office working. It was working. I go to set up the new computer. I plug it into the new computer. It's not reading it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Are you telling me I just bought a, 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 a huge computer that my roadcaster's not going to work with? Like, I was, I was pissed, right? And then I got to the point, I was like, okay, well, let me just plug it in the old computer. I'll just use that. And I'll figure it out later because surely I'm just missing something. It won't work on the old computer now. And I'm like, so you're telling me my roadcaster just doesn't want to communicate with any computers now. And so I start... I'm like, okay, well, I'll record it to the SD card and I don't have much experience doing that, but I'll do it. And so we, uh, we record to the SD card and the conversation goes well. And we get up and I remember Sean was sitting where Eric is. You were sitting where you were. And I walk over to him and we're like, oh, that was good. You know, put, standing up, putting the chairs in. And I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> like, I was like, what? The recording stopped. The recording stopped working. It stopped recording, and we're sitting over here at the table. And over at the the uh, the the workstation over there is probably about eight feet, ten feet away from us. The mixer board sitting there, the computer sitting over there. I, I we can't see the mixer board. We're just assuming you hit record. It was recording. It's still recording. It stopped recording. So um, when we when so I go and I and and, and people that listen to that show. Uh, what I say it was called Rise of the Nephilim. Uh, you'll hear halfway through that show the audio changes, and you hear me and Joel kind of it, it, like it's like a, one of my commercial breaks, and I, I tricked you because it wasn't a commercial break. <laughs> it was actually me and Joel coming in the next morning talking about what happened the day before, and we were trying to prep people for the transition of the audio quality and all that stuff. Um, but you hear the rest of the show off the camcorder audio. But what's interesting is uh, where it stopped recording. Was where Eric? I knew you have it right there in front of you. That's where uh, Joel was getting back into the meat sack theory. Um, the government making meat suits for fallen angels. Uh, Joel was discussing grays, demons, possession, essentially going right back to the same same topic that he was hitting on yeah. when he was with me, and the same topic he was hitting on with Justin and Jay. Yeah, and so. Um, and, and this is where I want to take the opportunity to kind of uh, migrate this into what I'm thinking right now. Uh, and we'll talk about this more after you share what happened last night. Um, so we, one, I don't know how you guys are thinking, but I'm, I, I personally am not viewing this as a CIA operation. Maybe, but I don't think so. I think what we're dealing with is Joel's hitting on uh, sensitive information that the spiritual realm is aware of and hears him talking about. Um, I get the sense that Joel saying the things he's saying is like if you're in a dark room and all of a sudden something starts glowing and you see it. I feel like in the spiritual realm, Joel is saying something that's making him glow bright red. And all of a sudden, all they're like, what? And it, 
and they go, right? And so I'm not saying Joel summoning something, but what happened last night, and we'll get into that later, I get the sense that, because I was feeling like something's trying to break our, break this communication off. I'm starting to get the sense that when Joel's hitting on a certain topic, it's attracting an entity or entities, but whatever it is, I think is pretty powerful and it's draining electronics around us because of what happened yesterday. And we'll get into that later, mm-hmm. but, um, it, I, I'm getting a sense and it, I could be wrong and you guys can have your own opinions and stuff. But for me personally, I'm getting the sense that when he says certain things, it's like a calling card it, and not that he's trying to summon something, but by giving whatever he's doing the attention, it automatically comes. And when it comes, it just drains the electronics around us. Or it, whatever it is, is trying to cut off the, the technology for information purposes. But if that's the case, why are we still able to get the communications out? Like you would think it would have killed the camcorders too. It's not like, I mean, if these entities are as all power, like powerful, then you would think that, well, you know, they would know the camcorders are running too, you know? So uh, I, I, you got to combat and go in there too, though. Don't forget the other side of it. That's true too. Yeah. Can you, can you let me backtrack on what you're saying here Mm -hmm. real quick? Um, because I want I want to address this because you know there's a lot of people out there like to believe in conspiracy conspiracy theories, right? Government, CIA, you know, algorithms that are you know designed by Facebook or YouTube or whatever to shut shut down specific type of speech. Um, so here's the thing about that: in order for I want I want you people to think about the the massive logistics behind anybody or any organization trying to shut us down from talking to Joel through our equipment. First of all, what would be the most likely way to stop a conversation between me and Joel? Power edge. You pay, you pay an electrician uh, a thousand bucks and say, Hey, I need you to cut power to this house Mm -hmm. on such and such date. First of all, they have to know that I'm going to interview Joel on such mm-hmm. and such date. Which means they're being they're constantly invading your privacy just right. to know when you're going to talk to Joel Thomas. Right. Who God Joel, I love you. You're you're a good guy, but you're not that important. I'm, you're not that de- I'm not You're not him, Joel. I'm you're not, not that him. <laughs> you know the and you know here's like that here, meme with that here, with that one guy yeah. it's like you're not that guy here, you ain't him you're bro not that guy. <laughs> here's the thing here's the thing i've got a friend okay everybody's got a friend right mm-hmm. i got a guy right guy. here we go so i got this i got this friend and of everybody that's sitting here at this table there's only one person here who is at a level that is on a low level wait and see watch list. And that's you, Tony. Oh, me. You. <laughs> I was just going to okay. Confirmed. Okay. Yeah. Not, not necessarily because of you or anything you've done, but potentially because of somebody that you are in contact with. Yeah. So that being said, the logistics to have had have a group of people who knew in advance that I was going to purchase my equipment from Sweetwater 
electronics. And either there at Sweetwater or during the delivery process to intercept my package, put something in my roadcaster that would make electronic malfunctions while I was, and that would have to be activated only at the time that I was talking to Joel. Think about the logistics behind that. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous to think that that's possible. Same with you. Did they put a kill switch in inside your Roadcaster Pro just because on the third or fourth time that you decided to interview Joel, they were going to kill your podcast? I, no, no. And I got to yeah, say, no. I got to say on the, the Roadcaster Pro, I got to tell people, so just so they understand, I didn't say this, that Roadcaster Pro is sitting on a shelf behind me not being used because it is no longer operational. It's dead. I yeah. literally had to buy a brand new Roadcaster. And that's what we're using right now. Right. And now now the similarity is that you and I both use the same equipment, right? mm -hmm. But Justin and Jay, their equipment is completely different. Yeah. You know, so how would they have known that they were going to purchase that equipment, intercept that package on the way to to deliver to them and, and do something to its electronics to be able to shut it down while they're talking to Joel. Now, I want to say this too, and I've said this to all three of you, I never once thought this was government at all. As a matter of fact, I've come to every one of you and I said, I know what this is with a grin on my face. And I mean that in the sense of, I'm not smiling because of what's happening. I am sort of, but I know that I'm getting closer to the truth. And I want to specify this too. I'm not a theologian. Uh, I'm not an expert either. I just think that in me digging, I'm slowly putting some threads together that other people haven't yet. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, the Legos are in front of me and they're fitting. And I, I think I've still got a ways to go, but I think they're starting to fit in a way that hasn't fit for other people yet. Because again, back to what I said earlier, I, I try to tie it all in together, government, paranormal, um, all of it. So I think it's all tied together and i think it's a spiritual aspect component that literally like encompasses all of it so when you're talking about government when you're talking about aliens you're talking about all that there's a spiritual aspect that encompasses the whole thing it's the gel that throws it all together and i think by me starting to do that i think this is what's causing the issues because there are entities that don't want this information to come out and that's a lot to do with it but i do agree with you completely i don't think this the government parts at all viable. Well, and I bring that up because there is going to be some segment right. of the people that listen to this is going to be like, it's the government, yeah. you know, but going back to what you said at the, at the end of that statement was, you know, this is, and, and we'll get in, we'll get into some stuff that I think everybody's going to have a hard time getting past as far as this not being a spiritual thing. Um, but I think you got to look at it from two different sides. You know, because it's my belief that, you know, you've got, you've got good spiritual teams that are with each one of us, you know, whether it's a, a guardian angel or, you know, uh, good spirits from, you know, whether they're family members or whatever that are looking over you, looking over all of us. And then there's also the, the dark side of entities that are trying to create havoc and chaos and, and, and disrupt things. Sucking so, out. so, so what are we dealing with here? Are we dealing with good entities who are trying to keep Joel from saying something that's not true? Are we dealing with good entities that are trying to draw attention to draw more attention by doing these things to what Joel is saying, because they're true. Are we dealing with dark entities 
that are trying to keep Joel from saying what he's saying because they don't want the truth out. You know, I think that's, that's why I think what you decided to do with us here is to hammer this out and try to find the direction that, that this is coming from is so important. You know, I mean, because I don't think Joel would necessarily sit here knowingly trying to say something that wasn't true, but maybe for instance, maybe he's being influenced. Maybe his mind is being influenced by dark entities and, and spiritual good spiritual entities are trying to stop him from saying what he's saying, because maybe it's not factual. Maybe it's taking attention away from something else. Eric's trying to act like I'm a meat sack. No, 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 no. I appreciate what he's doing because he, he's presenting all sides <laughs> of the uh, the argument, and I, I think it's it's important to do that. Like, I want the audience to know that like we're not coming to the table trying to push any specific agenda, other than mm-hmm. the fact that uh, Joel has been digging on an issue, a topic. And it seems like every time he talks about it, mm-hmm. weird things happen. And it happened again yesterday. And so... Big time. Big time. And so from our our computers glitching to my roadcaster needing to get replaced to our, our commutes to get here, all that stuff, um, it seems like it's important enough for us to try to put this transmission out to the people all in one shot together uh, and and see what happens. And we're not trying to push anyone. We don't want you to think yes or no on the CIA. We don't want you to think yes or no to the uh, the good entities or the bad entities. We're, we're not telling you. We're just presenting the information per tradition of this show, The Confessionals. We present the story. We present the information. And it's your responsibility to think for yourself and decide what do I think? And that is very countercultural today. We're not telling you what to believe. In a world where everybody's saying, please just tell me what to believe, we're saying, no, think for yourself. We're giving you information and we don't care what you land on, where you land. Just make your own, your own make up your own mind and decide for yourself. It, it it's life is very fun when you start thinking for yourself. So yeah. you know, I think I think that at this point it, it warrants saying this because each one of us in, in our respective podcasts at one time or another, multiple times have encouraged critical thinking. Okay. We, we encourage our listeners to be critical thinkers and to take a hard look at what we're talking about, who we're talking to and what their stories are. And if that was ever more true, this What's going on here? This has got to be at the pinnacle of that critical yeah. thinking. Okay, for our first sponsor today, I want to talk to you about ExpressVPN. 
Have you ever wondered why your internet bill is kind of lower over the years? I certainly have noticed that where it seems like internet's getting cheaper and that doesn't seem to make too much sense to me. But when you start thinking about the data and the histories that these companies sell, it makes more sense. They just want to make it as cheap as possible for you to get you through the front door and then they're going to suck you dry like vampires and they're going to sell your data and history to all these companies and make more money off you than they could have ever imagined with a subscription. Well, that all can end right now with ExpressVPN, which creates a secure channel between all all your devices and the internet. And when I say all, I'm not just talking about your phone and computer. I'm also talking about your tablets, your smart TVs, and even your router. Everything that has internet going through it in your home or in your office can be protected by ExpressVPN. Your data is your business. Protected at expressvpn.com slash confess. Visit expressvpn.com slash confess to get three extra months of ExpressVPN protection for free. It's expressvpn.com slash confess to learn more. Uh, with that, I think we laid a good hour of groundwork. I don't know how long it's been. Christian, how long have we been recording? Does it say on the on the uh, pro? 57 minutes. So that's a 57-minute introduction to the topic of the day. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, like I said, this was going to be a long podcast. We, we did need to lay the groundwork. And anybody who is complaining about it, go pound sand. Um, <laughs> kick rocks, you know? After the podcast is over, though, this is important information. You should listen to it. Um, information. What was the, wh- how, do you remember what was starting to make you connect certain dots? And then what are these dots you're connecting that uh, is this, if, this information? Just take us away. Uh, make this, this is now the Joel Thomas monologue section of the episode. <laughs> uh, we're here to listen to you. We'll interject when we feel like we have to, to ask questions, but this is your, your part of the program now. So take it away, bro. Man, I really don't even know what started it. I think really just the theories of, of and I don't want to say theories, but the theorization of what happened to the Nephilim and who they were, their impact on society, why they're in the Bible, just a handful of times. Why when you go to the book of Enoch, they're talked about a ton. Um, you look at the Dead Sea Scrolls, the book of Giants, there's a literal book of Giants. A lot of the tablets were broken, so they had to try to piece what they could together. We're going to get into the Book of Giants today, too. Um, But what is their impact going to be for the future? Because that's something that people don't think about. Giants were a huge huge part of the antediluvian and post-diluvian epochs. And suddenly they vanished. Outside of what we hear in the cryptid world of redheaded giants and places where people go very remote, where there is, you know, like the giant of Kandahar, stuff like that, that we all know about. Yeah. So one of the things that I started doing was I started reading some of these guys that are experts at this stuff. Ellie Marzulli, Gary Wayne, uh, Genesis 6 conspiracy really put me down a ton of rabbit holes because the way that he wrote that book, he has like 90 plus pages of uh, index in the back with all the places he got the information from so you can go down these rabbit holes. And me being a Freemason, so much to do with Nephilim is tied into Freemasonry and ultimately started with 
the Brotherhood of the Snake, which is the oldest secret society. It's the one behind the veil, behind the veil, behind the veil, behind the veil. It's what started with Cain. It's what started with his son, Enoch. Evil Enoch, who, get your butt cheeks tight, wrote the book of Enoch. And I'm going to break that down a little bit harder today because we just barely touched on it last time with you. And I want to get a little delve into a little deeper because I know a lot of people are like, oh my God. So he said one thing wasn't right. And so the whole book of Enoch, we got to throw out now. No, no, no. There's multiple things in the book of Enoch that don't line up and add up. And what I did before I came here, I reread Enoch again um, and really just matched it up to some things in the Bible, matched it up to some things that when it comes to fallen angels, seems to align in that aspect of why I think that the book of Enoch at least partially wasn't written by the Enoch that we know. I'm open to the idea I could be wrong that maybe some of it is because we don't know how that book was put together when they brought it down, you know, when they were pulling the Dead Sea Scrolls and all that. We don't know. Um, I do know that Lucifer's biggest game is deception and tricking people. And the easiest way to do that is to make something look like good, make it look like light, make it align so closely to the truth that people buy into it. But before you know it, they've taken their focus off of God and where it should have been all along. And I think that's where we're at right now. I think in society right now, that's what's happening. We're, at, we're back at that place. We're, back, we're, we're getting closer to that end of that antediluvian world which I believe technology was vastly superior, vastly superior than it is now. We're moving to back towards it, though. Our technology is pretty, pretty good. And behind the scenes, it's a lot better than we know. For sure. So we're getting back to that point of us ascending into godhood. Because I think that is what the mark of the beast is eventually going to be. I don't think it's an actual mark, per se. I don't think it's some sort of barcode. You know, back in the day when I was growing up as a kid, that was like the thing you would see on the chick tracks, you know, like the barcode in the back yeah. of the neck or, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Like, when they're coming for you to tattoo this on your neck, run. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not going to be that way. They're going to present it in the way that's going to be very attractive for you. Almost like uh, fruit from a tree. Almost like fruit from a tree. From a seraphim, by the way, it wasn't a snake. We'll get into that a little bit too about Lucifer and his, what he was as an angel too. The seraphim are like the top level of angel in the Bible. They're the ones that were closest to God. And Lucifer was like right hand. And it makes sense that Adam and Eve walk into the Garden of Eden if a being that they're used to seeing came up to him and started talking. They weren't thinking anything about it. Now, granted, maybe if a snake came up to him and started talking, it might look a little weird to him if they hadn't used to seeing that. So I think that makes a little more sense. And Seraphim are very serpentine, which is going to play into this Nephilim thing as well. And the Brotherhood of the Snake, because that's where we're going to start today, is the Brotherhood of the Snake. And I barely touched on it last time I was with you. I haven't touched on it at all with you guys. Because it all starts with that first secret society and why that secret societies are what they are today. Why, why are they? People know of Freemasons, 
Rosicrucians, all of these groups, Knights Templar, we can go through history, Illuminati, all of them. What makes them feel like they need to exist, one? Why do they want to exist? And why do they want to keep secrets away from other people in society? You know, what is it about the elites that make them feel elite? You know, people go to money and power. Well, they got more money than us. They got more power than us. That's why they feel like that we're less than them. It goes way deeper than that. And it ties into this, this aspect of Nephilim and what I encompass as my portal baby theory. That's kind of what I've coined it as. Portal babies, baby. <laughs> portal babies, baby. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm going to do, I'm going to start with the Brotherhood of the Snake. Um, I'm going to give you the company line first, though. Because the company line is what people, when they look up the Brotherhood of the Snake, there's not a lot of info on them. Not initially, anyway. Uh, there's a company line that's given of what they are. They're also known as the Dragon Court, by the way. This is going to tie into the Dragon Bloodlines that we're going to get into. Um, there is two Nephilim Bloodlines, by the way. There is the Dragon Bloodline, which is the Patriarchal. And then you have the fairy bloodlines, which is the matriarchal, which that would mean if you don't know what patriarchal matriarchal is, that's male and female. The thought pattern is that from the patriarchal bloodline, the dragon bloodline, that's where the Antichrist will ascend from. So we're going to get into where this uh, where this actually kind of started popping up in history um, with the uh, Brotherhood of the Snake. Um, we're going to get into where it actually started, but I'm going to start a little bit with, you know, what was going on. Um, it started in pre-Diluvian civilizations. Uh, they say Atlantis, uh, some of these places it did, but it did trickle down through, um, Egypt. So a lot of what you hear of the Anunnaki from Sumerian culture um, they protected this brotherhood of the snake. Um, what it really was, it started with Cain. So where they say that it really, that if you dig, they say it started in Egyptian culture. It's, it, it really didn't. It started a, a way further back than that. It actually started in, uh, with Cain. So we and all, Cain being? Son of Adam. Okay. So we all know who um, the sons of Adam initially were. We have Cain and we have Abel. And we know what happened with Cain and Abel. Cain didn't give God what God wanted. Abel did. Cain was jealous and he killed Abel. So Cain was cursed. But Cain didn't... <sighs> he never said he was sorry. He never wanted to ask for forgiveness from God. So his whole issue was he wanted to create something bigger than God outside of God. And part of what Freemasonry is built on is the seven sciences. 
Now, the seven sciences are what you would call the liberal arts, grammar, rhetoric, logic, arithmetic, geometry, which is the fifth one, and that is the tenets of Freemasonry, music, and astronomy. These were taught to Adam in the garden by God. And he taught them to Adam in a way that we couldn't understand today. This is where all this technology and where all that came from back then. Because when God gave this to Adam, and Adam eventually gave it to Abel and gave it to Cain, it was a knowledge and understanding of the way that the universe worked in a way that God understood it. And angels understood way before that. So Cain took those seven sciences and began to corrupt them with fallen angels, by the way. So Cain was working with the fallen angels. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So if you know anything about the fallen angels, Lucifer got jealous. My theory is, and, and a lot of people talk about, he got jealous because we were created. Um, we got to think he's a seraphim. He's like the right hand of God. He was that dude. That dude. And he said when he walked, he made music. And I think that's why music is so deceptive these days because he really takes hold of that aspect of it. And where, where did the, the archangels, where did they come from? Where, where was there in the... Like the hierarchy? Yeah. They're actually at the bottom, which is pretty crazy. So there's, it's, it's really crazy when you think about it. You've got three, you've got three divisions of angels and nine choirs. So the seraphim, cherubim, and thrones are in that first kind of category. They, they're, they really hang out with God next to God. You do hear about them showing up in biblical scripture, but not a lot. You know, it, they're just, they, they, don't, they're not, they don't intercede for humans, really. They're not part of that pantheon. When you get down to like the, 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 the third section, that's where you're going to get your archangels at. And archangels are actually one step up above like your guardian angels or you're just kind of like lower tier angels that really intercede for us or like day-to-day basis. Archangels like Michael, Gabriel, these guys that show up in the Bible, um, they're warriors. Don't get me wrong, they're not like weak (laughs) and they can battle, but they're not in the same pantheon as these like really upper tier guys. So when I say that Lucifer Knowing that God's creating us, and in the Bible, it says that we will judge the angels. Mm -hmm. So imagine being Lucifer and hearing that news, right hand to God, and you hear he makes, for lack of a better word, meat sacks, Mm. who to him are like, are you kidding me? This is going down? I hate that term. Meat sacks. Meat sacks, man. It's just that is like that is such a horrible, horrible term. And I have, I have, again, this is no disrespect to you or or your theory. I have a hard time believing or understanding or wrapping my head around that with as omnipotent as our creator is. Mm-hmm that 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 would even be possible to create a a life that that has no soul that is predetermined to be a vessel 
for. I think you went off. No, no offense, but I never said that. I'm saying what Lucifer feels at this point. Yeah, he's what he's saying is Lucifer, the angel, is looking at, looking at us just like these are literal meat sacks. There's nothing special about them. There's no they like. I make music when I freaking walk, bro. These dudes can't freaking barely walk alone. Like, like he was like basically saying, like, look at these freaking dumb apes, and you're telling me they're gonna judge me. I make freaking music when I walk. Like, bro, you know what I mean? Like, who are these meat sacks to judge me? That's what you're saying, right? Exactly. Okay. Okay. But you've used meat sacks in in our conversations. Mm-hmm. As like an empty, you know, like being produced as Correct. an empty vessel for demonic entities to mm-hmm. inhabit, and 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 I have a hard time wrapping my head around that God would allow that to happen. Okay, you know, so just just now, because it's such an affront. I'm just using it as a derogatory him. term of how that Lucifer in that anger moment would view us okay. as a very derogatory I term. Apologize. No, no worries, no, no apologies at all. There's no apologies. This is all uh, open conversation. Uh, so, you know, he got, he, he, he got angry about that. Takes one third of the angels started what we've been digging into and digging into more the angelic wars, um, that may or may not have happened on Mars. There's a planet that I know of called Rahab that is in between Mars and Jupiter. If you know anything about the asteroid belt there, there's an odd asteroid belt with a bunch of rocks. Um, the term Rahab is used in the Bible 11 times. And if I'm correct, five times it refers to Rahab with the walls of Jericho. The other six times, it, it, it's hard to decipher. It almost seems like it's a place. So... Some theologians believe that that was a planet called Rahab that Lucifer set up shop on when he got kicked out of what we would consider heaven or another dimension, heavenly place. So there's a lot that happened before humans were created. We talk about seven days of creation. What were seven days? What was the time period there? Mm. We don't know. It says the earth was out form and void. God doesn't start something and doesn't finish it. So this goes into what some people believe the old earth and the new earth. So um, I, I just want to state uh, before we go too much further here, uh, so the audience understands that they're listening to uh, people who believe, and I don't want to speak for anybody, so if I'm wrong on any of you guys, but for me, and I know for you, Joel, um, we believe that like I believe the Bible, I'm a Christian, I believe what the Bible says, but I do believe that God being omnipotent and uh, and omniscient so big that I don't believe every act, every decision, every essence of God is encompassed in the Bible. I believe that uh, he gave us what we needed in the Bible for us. But I believe that there's so much more to God. And I think that I, I, I personally don't look at the Bible as an all-encompassing history of God and creation and everything that ever happened. It's just the information that God wanted us to have for us to come to the uh, salvation moment through Christ. 
I believe that the Bible points to Christ. And so that doesn't mean that everything God ever did or ever thought or ever um, the, the essence of why he does certain things. For instance, and I don't want to hijack, I'm just going to yeah, go fine. here. Go ahead. Because you might go to this later. Uh, Psalm 82, God held judgment amongst other gods. So uh, in the Hebrew, it says Elohim held judgment amongst the Elohim. There's no way escaping that it's God holding judgment amongst other gods. But if, if you take that and you're like, okay, so what does that mean? There's not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot. But clearly there was the decision made that there was going to be this higher this hierarchy. But it's like, I just personally, and this is where the faith side comes in. We were talking about this last night. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I walk a lot by faith and I just trust that, that God gave me what I need to come to, to Christ as my savior. But I believe that there's so much more to God that, that we, that we just, it, it's it, like, is that, I'm, maybe I'm having a hard time drawing out what I'm trying to say. Does it make sense though? What I'm trying to say? No, like, I think it makes perfect sense because you know, we, we had this discussion last night. I told you, I believe in God. I believe in Christ, but my thoughts differ from you as far as the Bible and everything, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to understand that 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 book was given to man based on our intellect at the time, which was not what it is today. It may have been, it may have been higher in some aspects, but lower in regards to the technology that we consider high technology now. The technology back then may have been much different and much better, but we don't know how to, we haven't figured that out. Right. So I think, I think the language that was used in the, in the things that were, were handed down to people, to humans, to, to us living on this world were done in a way that was only acceptable, only the only way that we would be able to understand it. How many thousand years ago, you know, our intelligence levels now, I think are, are above what we were back then. I don't agree with that. I, I think mean, that right, our technology, I think our, I think we use more of our brains back then. One thing you're not thinking about the Bible and stuff, that's, that stuff was written post-Alluvian. We're talking about after the flood. We're talking about after all of that crazy technology in Atlantis and all of the Sumerian stuff and even the pyramids. I think the pyramids were before the flood too. So, you know, and I'll tie that into Enoch as well. So, you know, the 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 flood didn't knock out the the, the pyramids. It just didn't. It, it, matter of fact, we can't even, we don't even know how old the pyramids are. That's what's so wild. We go to try to date it. We don't know. So I will agree with you halfway that when these things were written, I think that that technology had been wiped off the planet. I think those it, that whole era of pre-flood was gone. We almost, it was a reboot at that point where we started over again. That's why we're where we are now. But in no way, no fashion, were, are we now as highly advanced as we were before the flood. 100% agree with what you're saying. I was getting at from the time the people received the word of God. Okay, that, yeah, no, I can we, agree we with were, that. We were beyond the, the higher technology that, came before. Sure. I mean, like our science, like for instance, the science of the time that Paul was writing the New Testament, 75% of the New Testament, uh, the science that he understood 
is not the science that we have today. Mm-hmm. We right. have far superior science. We have. I'm sitting next to a scientist. Justin is a scientist himself. I didn't mention that earlier, but I wanted to say Justin is a certified genius. And he, <laughs> he, when you listen to his podcast, you're going to hear that he's a very smart man. So yes, he is. <laughs> he's a biologist, and uh, um, and he's here with us monkeys, just dragging our knuckles around. <laughs> he's just like you guys. Uh, that's why he's just sitting here quiet, not talking, because he's like, these guys are idiots. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut, though. <laughs> Come to cryptids of the corn. I'll tell you the truth. There you go. <laughs> so uh, anyways, go ahead, Joel. Yeah. So to jump back a little bit to this Brotherhood of the Snake thing, I, I want to tie this into Freemasonry again. I want to always run this through free- Freemasonry, because Freemasonry, the tenants were built through Brotherhood of the Snake, and Freemasonry is just a thread that holds every single one of these secret societies together. Now, Freemasonry is a initial step into these worlds. So, yeah, you step into this world, you may get to step into a different world. You may get an option to go here. You know, it's kind of, it's like the first, you know, for lack of a better word, like people would say that weed is a gateway drug. Well, I think that Freemasonry now is, is a gateway drug into the deeper aspects. Yeah, you got people going to Freemasonry and they kind of stop there. They're just, they're kind of, I'm cool, I'm in a fraternity, I like the perks of maybe getting out of a ticket here and there because my buddy who's in there too is a cop or whatever and I get that and it's brotherhood and we, you know, do a fish fry once a month and we help the community out. That's generally what you're going to see. About 95% of the guys there is that's what it is. You know, and that's why, you know, Freemasons hear me talk, get really worked up because it's those guys. It's not the guys that are involved with things. It's going to be those guys that get mad about it. But a lot of these. So when you start dealing into we're back to the seven sciences, there's two legends. Um, you've got uh, Anderson, who's James Anderson. Um, he was in the early early 1700s and then you got George Oliver who was in the late 1700s to early 1800s these guys wrote um these documents these constitutions for freemasonry in these documents and constitutions they were the ones to tie enoch because a lot of what freemasonry is built around is enoch now now these days they will tell you that it's enoch who walked with god they want to align themselves with that side of Adam, that Seth side of Adam. They don't want to align themselves with the Cain side. These two guys in their constitutions that they broke down, and guys, you can go find this. It's very easy to look up James Anderson, type in Freemason, George Oliver Freemason, and hit PDF after it. You can Google it. You can find their PDF file. You can find the PDF files of them and their writings. And they break down how that it was Enoch, son of Cain, is what all of their tenets are built on. This is what they're trying to protect is this line. And, and why are they trying to protect this line, right? What, why is it? Now, we know Tubal Cain's a big part of Freemasonry. Well, if Tubal Cain's a big part of Freemasonry because his father was Lamech, who these guys were right before the flood. These are the ones that were deep into the Nephilim part of it because the Nephilims came during the seventh generation of Cain. Seventh generation of Seth is when the Nephilim come into the picture, when the sons of God laid with the daughters of men and they created the Nephilim. So this is happening for about three generations to the 10th generation. By the 10th generation, these Nephilim have gotten into the Seth bloodline 
and we're down to like just Noah. We're down to, we're down to just Noah and God, you know, God comes to Noah and he's basically like, look, bro. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, look, man, you're perfect in my eyes. And I want to, I want to specify that he didn't mean that he was perfect in his heart in the sense of he was just like, holy, like perfect. No, he was, his DNA was perfect. He looked at him because he had untainted DNA. At this point, antediluvian world's out of control. We got chimeras all over the place. We got griffins. Angels are going wild. These fallen angels are going nuts. And when you think about the hierarchy of angels, seraphim, cherubim, thrones, you got dominions, you got archangels. It's the classic as above is below. It's the same thing. You got them on both sides. When they left heaven, the one third, you got all of those that left too, all the different sects. They had their hierarchies as well. Think about cherubim had the face of an ox, the face of a man, face of a lion, and the face of an eagle or a bird. So if they're mating with humankind, and the thought pattern is that when they would morph, because angels could, and Book of Enoch talks about it, how they would take human form, cherubim could take one of the four forms. So what if they took like a lion form? This is where you get some of your cultures where you've got lion men and you've got these ox-looking men. Justin, we were talking about yep. the dog men yep. that had a city in Egypt. They were dog, it was a whole dog men city in Egypt. So you had all this craziness going on, plus technology's out of control. They're using genetic mo mo modification. They're manipulating DNA. Sounds familiar? No. <laughs> uh, they're doing all this. So, these, so also, what's really crazy, the Book of Giants talks specifically, and I've got it right here, the Watchers have their own families with humans and also with animals. So they're not only out here getting with humans, they're trying to corrupt every single bit of God's creation. So when we talk about cryptids, am I saying every cryptid? But there's a, there's a good theory that some of these cryptids are the copulation of angels and animals. And even uh, to go another level with that, to maybe the conspiratorial round, uh, one of you guys was talking about, I think it was you, Joel, earlier, how the more you're diving into the conspiratorial, the more the paranormal twines into it. Mm -hmm. I, and I've said this probably from day one with my show. Uh, I believe the, the, the higher you get in these, the, these elitist realms, the closer you're getting to the paranormal. And I believe that not only uh, are we dealing with these creatures that might be remnant of Nephilim type uh, fallen angel interactions, but also uh, we're dealing with world ruling elite type people who have access to sciences who are also trying to recreate these creatures for their own purposes. And that's just pers my personal thought process on certain things. I don't even know if you're going to go that direction, but I think that 
there are there are people in this world who are aware of, like what you're talking about today and stuff. You're I, I don't think you're the only person that knows this stuff. Uh, I think there's very powerful people in this world that know this stuff, and they're like, let me get a piece of that action. <laughs> you know? Oh, you know for sure. And I think that for people that want to get tied in with the elites that aren't part of these bloodlines, we're gonna get into what these bloodlines are in a little bit, but that aren't, they want to saddle up to it because there's certain power to it. It's like that old movie with Roddy Piper, They Live. You guys ever watch that movie? Mm-hmm. The classic. Yeah. Um, I watched it again recently. Um, a week ago. Yeah. I did. And uh, me too, as a mm-hmm. matter of fact. And uh, the thing with that movie is uh, when he gets to the end and he runs into these, not really the elites, not the reptilian people, but the people that are working for them, He's like, man, just relax. He's like, listen, we're all doomed. But if we work with them, we can get paid. We can live a comfortable life. You know, we're not going to be here forever. But while we're here. And I think there's a lot of those people, too. That's where you get celebrities. That's where you get a lot of these athletes that are good athletes, but they get, they get bought in. Um, people in general. You just even people that are running corporations. They're told, uh, hey, we're going to need you to put these ads out. It's going to promote this. Might be against what you feel, but you can get paid. Just look at your bank account, and we're going to make this simultaneous through, you know, all the big corporations. We see it all the time. Every month, we've got a a new, quote unquote, month of something, and what happens? Every corporation picks up whatever that is and starts promoting it. Mm. We won't talk about what those are, but people can read between the lines. Everything is a coordinating agenda tear us down and there's people just like you and me that aren't part of these bloodlines that aren't attached to these people per se but are working for them they don't care about you don't care about me they're off themselves and they're going to continue to do this as long as they're getting paid as long as they're part of that team it's attractive I get it I used to think like that but at the end you're you're left empty Mm -hmm. big time we're going to swing into uh, Enoch here because I know Tony loves that. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. So the book of Enoch is an interesting book. I would say in the percentile of truth that's in the 90s, for sure, it lines up with a lot of things in the Bible. I think that it breaks down what the fallen angels did with womankind to create these giants that became the men of renown. It kind of shows some of their motivations and it names some of them too, Azazel, some of these guys. One thing about the book of Enoch, though, I noticed, there's no mention of Satan or Lucifer, really. Not much, if, if, if at all. It's all about this group of fallen angels that go and do this on Mount Hermon and create these Nephilim. That's one thing that came up to me kind of odd. The Bible's pretty adamant about Satan, you know? Jesus calls him out a lot. You know, he's definitely on the mind of God in the Bible. He wasn't much in this. Why? I think he'd be masterminding this whole thing. Uh, it, that, 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 was, that was a red flag to me. The one I've talked about before is Noah. So, 
in the book of Enoch, it says that the angel told Noah how to build the ark. In the Bible, it says that God told Noah how to build the ark. I went through and I was reading Enoch and I, and I wanted to pinpoint that. And, and also there's been iterations where it says that the angel actually helped Noah build the ark too, which I think is just non-canonical. Didn't happen. I think even in the Russell Crowe, they had yeah, the, they the, uh, yeah. the angels come help him build mm-hmm. it, which that is very Freemasonic, by the way. Tubal Cain's in that. <clears throat> and Tubal Cain, it, it, they say in that, Tubal Cain got on the ark, which Tubal Cain is from Lamech's line. He's from this like awful line of Cain. So that's very Freemasonic because Tubal Cain was the builder. He took what Cain did as a builder that went to Enoch, who was kind of the ultimate builder and, and created hieroglyphics and all this. But it went down to Tubal Cain, and Tubal Cain is what Freemasons talk about. He, they talk about him a lot. So it makes sense that in Hollywood, <laughs> Tubal Cain's glorified in a movie about the Ark, and you've got quote unquote fallen angels helping them build the Ark. I think it's really odd, right? Um, and I and I did some reading into that movie with Russell Crowe, and they did say that they used the Book of Enoch as a ba- a hardline basis for making that movie. That's that's another red flag. But there was something that really hit home to me, and I don't know if anyone's talked about this with Enoch. There isn't a lot of Enoch talking to God. It's a lot of Enoch talking to angels. Mm. A lot, a lot of angels interceding giving messages from God to Enoch. The Bible's pretty specific about Enoch walked with God, literally was walking on the planet with God, talking to him. Mm-hmm. He walked so closely with God in, 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 you know, as we understand it now, as people like us would, he basically just walked into another dimension with God, mm-hmm. left the earth. There is a lot of angels glorification in the book of Enoch. Lots. And that just seems very fallen angel to me, this glorification of angelic creatures. Matter of fact, <laughs> when Raphael comes to Enoch and tells him to, he has to go tell the fallen angels on Mount Hermon that they're doomed for what they've done, God's thrown them in the pit, and he's coming for a reckoning. Enoch goes and talks to fallen angels. All fallen angels are, 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 are remorseful crying, wailing. They want Enoch to intercede for them. And he does. He goes back to God with like, kind of like a written statement from the fallen angels <laughs> to talk to yeah. God to tell God not to do it. So you're telling me a guy that walks so closely with God that knows God, God knows him, in the book of Enoch, he didn't really talk to God too much. He hears it from an angel. He goes talk to these angels. These angels convince him to go back to talk to God. It's a lot of stuff doesn't add up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right in that sense. Uh, for somebody who walked with God, for him to be portrayed in the book of Enoch as a character that is able to be manipulated and uh, not maybe not manipulated, but if you're walking with God, how much access do these angels have 
to get you to think it's a to you to get you to think it's a good idea that you should intercede on their behalf. It's a good. It's a very good point, and um, I don't know how people are feeling right now with what you what you're saying, and, and, and I don't care. Uh, I find it very interesting, and I want people to understand what you just said a few minutes ago. Because I think that it, it's a it's a huge key in this. You said that you believe the Book of Enoch. There are true parts of it, and you, I think you said even up to maybe ninety percent of it's true. Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about is deception, right? Yeah. So, so like if this is being written by angels, and they're trying to deceive, they're not going to be like one hundred percent all of it, their own story. They're going to intertwine the deception because that's the goal, to deceive. And you don't want to make that deception so obvious. There's a sympathetic tone to the fallen angels in this too. Mm. Very sympathetic tone. It never really goes into, you know, why they left God. It just says that they did. And then again, Enoch is interceding for them. Which is so weird to me. But then it's also weird that he constantly is talking to Raphael, constantly talking to Gabriel, constantly talking to Michael, and they name off several others. And he's constantly talking to these guys, but he's never really, when he, he does see God a few times. Do you know when he gets in God's presence, he, he bows his head because he's before the Almighty? One of the angels tells him to raise his head. And he doesn't have to do that. You're talking about a guy that walked closely with God. God wouldn't have told him that. Also, a guy that walked so closely to God, he wouldn't have needed to do that anyway. And it's like the angels take him on these trips, show him the universe. It is an absolute glorification of angels. The entire book is. It is a book of you almost feel like the angels are more powerful than God. Mm. That God's just a figurehead that's sitting on a throne that's sending them out to do his bidding. All the action is with the angels. Correct. Which I absolutely believe that God has a hierarchy and he does have angels that are emissaries and all that. He ain't doing all of it. He could do whatever he wants. But I think angels have free will just like we do. And I think he... Clearly. loves to see, you know, what they do and how they operate, the ones that love him, that that jump in. I mean, there's there's a there's a verse in the Bible and I, and I cannot remember off the top of my head. Ward brought it up it, to me the other day when we're doing angelology, uh, which was a new episode that we just did, where God's basically like, who's going to step up and do this for me? And one of the angels steps up, okay, you go do it. So he, he gives the angels a shot too, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like he does with us. I, I totally agree with that. But the book of Enoch is such a, it's it's a romantic novel to angels. But it, it but not just angels, fallen angels. It, this isn't this isn't God's angels that stuck with him. Correct. Right? This is this is a romantic novel for the ones that rebelled from God. Guys, they talk about the names of the fallen angels more than they do the angels that roll with God. Mm. That's true too. Like the 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 common listener 
the common person that looks into this stuff, if you think about it, that's it, Joel, you're making some really good points here, man. Like, uh, <laughs> it's almost like we talk more about uh, Azazel than we talk about Michael. You know, like, like the, the names of these fallen angels, uh, it seems like they're being focused on more in this book than anything else. Listen, in book one of the Watchers, in, in the book of Enoch, in chapter three, this is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. And Azazel taught men to make swords and knives and shields, breastplates, and made known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them, and bracelets and ornaments and the use of antimony and the beautifying of the eyelids and all kinds of costly stones and all coloring tinctures. That's just one verse. There are so many verses of these fallen angels teaching us these magical, wonderful things. Amazing. Yeah. You don't hear about that on the other side of it <laughs> in the entire book. So, so it says, what's the first line? He says he taught swords. Someone Taught men to make swords and knives so, and shields. He so goes, swords, knives, and shields. Yes. And people can sit back and they can look at that statement. And they're like, well, that's good. David, a man after God's own heart, a mighty warrior, used swords, shields. And that came from Azazel. So you're saying that if it wasn't for Azazel, the fallen one, David wouldn't even have had a sword to fight with? He would have still be stuck on the slingshot? You know what I'm saying? So like, it's, it's, it's taking, it's taking and, and, and like you said, romanticizing these fallen ones. I find it very fascinating. And we were talking about the whole Noah thing. Uh, chapter 4, intercession of angels in the ninth verse. Then said the Most High, the Holy and Great One spake and sent Uriel to the son of Lamech and said to him, go to Noah and tell him in my name, hide thyself and reveal to him the end that is approaching, that the whole earth will be destroyed and a deluge is about to come upon the whole earth and will destroy all that is on it. Again, here goes God sending out an angel to do his bidding, but these angels on both sides, but especially the fallen side, they're, they're made to look really cool. This whole book is fantastical, and people get caught up in the fantasy aspect of it, and that's what it is, a freaking fantasy. I'm not saying that there aren't aspects of it that aren't true, you can romanticize truth. You absolutely can. Like you, you don't, don't, don't get it twisted. The Nazi soldiers romanticized what they were doing. They thought it was beautiful. Hitler thought what he was doing was beautiful. You can romanticize evil, and you can manipulate people with that. Absolutely, absolutely, and that. I really wanted to go through Enoch before I came here because that's a huge part of this. Enoch, the pillars of Lamech, which Freemasons have attributed to Boaz and Yakin now, it's not what it was. They, they, when you go back to the Anderson and the Oliver legends, they are the pillars of Lamech. These nine hidden vaults that were discovered that Enoch hid all of the knowledges where he hid the book Enoch and all that in Mount Moriah. Do you know in Egyptian culture, it said that Hermes found those. And this is where the Brotherhood of the State came from because he found these books of Enoch, son of Cain. 
but it's been twisted over time to become son of Seth or from Seth's bloodline on that side of it. The Freemasons had to find a way to make this align with the Bible, the God. Even though they say they're non-religious, they do line with this a lot. Solomon, like I said, Hiram Abeth, all that stuff lines up biblically in a lot of ways. There's a reason for that. They want to deceive. Back to what fallen angels have always wanted to do. And Satan, deceive. Why is Satan not talked about in the book of Enoch? That bothers me. You know, it bothers me too. And I'm, I'm so glad you're talking about this stuff because um, I never really thought about the book of Enoch like this. I, I haven't. And uh, it's interesting because it's, it's, uh, it's not, I don't think you're saying, at least I don't, I don't perceive it this way. I'm not, I don't think it's saying that the book of Enoch is useless because there is authentic, real information there. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's like reading a, 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 about, it's like reading a novel based off a true story. There is going to be the romantic, romanticizing of the true story. And because the reason why I want to say it, I wouldn't say it's useless, and I don't have the it, the the actual scripture in front of me, but there are several spots, including one that's for verbatim in Jude, where it is a direct quote from Enoch. So mm -hmm. we do know that the 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 writers of the canonical scriptures did read the book of Enoch, but that we also know there, and and and, and recently. There has been this this surge of people saying that the Book of Enoch should be canonized, and maybe there's a reason it's not. And I know it requires faith to trust that God's in control and God knows what's going down. But at the end of the day, it's not canonized for a reason. And um, I want to say this too for people that are skeptical of Christianity. And I can understand why people are skeptical too because of a lot of what Satan's does such a great job of inf infiltrating the church, dividing it a million mm -hmm. different ways where people are like, well, I mean, when the men got together and they put together the Bible, it was a bunch of men and men can corrupt things. But there's a verse in the Bible that says that God can sway a king's heart at his will. And that's where that trust factor comes in, where you trust that God's ultimately in control, that this canonical Bible is the word of God. And I get the deterrence for it, and I'm open to listen to them. I've heard it a million ways. Matter of fact, I used to be one of those people. Me too, by the way. I don't think people realize that. Like, I, I, I used to be one of those people too. Um, and we were just talking about that earlier today, guys, because... Uh, uh, Jay over here has an iPhone 6 and he said that he has he actually knows the date because of the text that he sent <laughs> but back in the day on on, on uh, June 25th 2014 he sent a text saying hey guys I have the blue bubble or something like that now because you've got the iPhone right so he's still on that phone right uh, and I mentioned to those guys that that was just a few months uh, time span from me becoming a Christian uh, before that I was in complete complete rebellion to Christianity God, period. Like, yeah, I was raised in, in church, but I went through a good chunk of my 20s adult life as a married man in complete, well, it, really my whole life because 
I never really was a Christian, but uh, I, I spent a good chunk of my my twenties, like intentionally rebelling against this Christian faith. Uh, so I, I just I, I I don't think people quite. I, I think sometimes people hear me because I'm so. I, I don't know if nonchalant is the right terminology. I'm, I'm just so like open, I guess, about my my faith. I think they they assume and they think if they don't know that I, I've just always been like this. And the reality is, March 29, 2014, it was my salvation day. Before that, I was like literally that was a that was a day where I instantaneously went from one extreme to the other. I instantaneously was transformed, and before that day, I was actively rebelling against this idea of God, this idea of the Bible, the the gospel, all of it actively. And uh, I, I just, I, I don't know why I got on that. ADHD, I hand it back to you. No, no worries. <laughs> but that's why I really wanted to expound on why I don't think the book of Enoch, it should be canonical one and is not canonical. There has been a huge push in the past, I don't know, 20 years even longer, but really hardcore, I don't know, even the past three or four, where they are pushing for Enoch. And it is an absolute, when people talk about Enoch, they actually reverence it more than they do the Bible. The people that are just hardcore Enoch fans. And again, there's a reason for that. This is going into this era of what fallen angels have prepared for us and what they're moving us towards. They're moving us towards this epoch that they did back in the antediluvian times before the flood. But they're doing it in a more covert way. And we're going to get to that at towards the end, and that's going to kind of tie in the portal baby theory on why they're doing that. But I do want to talk about this dragon court because that's important. The bloodlines are important. So when it says that the sons of God laid with the daughters of men, or I'm sorry, yeah, daughters of men. These women were revered. Now, Eric, this is why I brought up Game of Thrones. So you and I can talk about Game of Thrones and the dragon bloodlines, which they talk about a lot in there. There's a reason why they give us the soft disclosure in these shows, in these movies. If you notice something, what's a theme, Eric? with these bloodlines, what do they do to try to keep those bloodlines intact? Anything and everything. Anything and everything, but what is one thing that they do that's that's a little, I guess we would consider disgusting now? Incest? Incest. I've never seen the show. So this incest thing is hardcore throughout the entire Game of Thrones series and... Wow. And the... You know the new series, and so, so not to make me sound like a freak or anything, but in the way that they do it, you're aware that it's incest, but it doesn't seem. But it they make it mm. sexy, they make it romanticized, they, yes. they make it, they make it see. Wow, I've, I've, I'm not gonna. You'll sit there and you'll watch it, and you're like, oh. They're going to oh, get okay, together. Okay, hold on. Pause, pause. Did you guys just hear that? Did anybody hear anything in their right ear no. right now? No. When you said they make it feel like I just, I, I heard a faint, I heard you say it twice. You said it, it live in person. I saw you say it. And then in my right ear, I heard it again, faintly. Nobody else heard that? No. Okay. So 
Christian, uh, how much stamp. how much time do we have left on this thing? We're halfway. Well, the, the, don't go by the hours because that that's that's total. But that line is about halfway. Okay, so we have halfway on the SD card right now. Um, we're gonna go maybe a, a little bit more, and then I want to pause this. So think about where you would want to break it if you feel like it. Sure. Just tell me, and we're, we're gonna dump that SD card and get it refreshed and emptied out, and we'll go again because sure. I, I did, did that. That I just no, I can't believe you guys didn't hear. That's weird because no. we're all hooked up on the same system. I heard it in my right ear. No, I wonder if that came anything. on the recording. So what what what's the time right now? One, one fifty three. Okay, so uh, if we could remember that time, so we can maybe look back at that. Um, I just had to pause that for a second. We're talking about Game of Thrones, the incest, and you were saying how they make it seem more they, natural. They, they make it. They make you it when you watch it, at least for me, and I'm not a freak, but it's it's almost like you are anticipating that it's gonna happen. And if you don't get that in the episode, you're kind of like, oh, I thought they were gonna. Listen, House of the Dragon, you're almost wanting the that's, two characters to get together. That's the point they're that so likable. Because I didn't want to come out and say that when I'm watching it, it's like you're almost you're almost rooting for that. To it's happen. not a, it's, it's not, not it's, even the sexual because, component either. Yeah, it's so so they yeah. they they draw the storyline out so that you're not thinking about how you want brother to bang sister. Mm -hmm. They they the, there's the romanticized storyline that you right. want to see the completion of, which right. would then just naturally, as an underlying current, have the incest involved. Correct. In. Gotcha. And I have never seen the show, so I'm glad you guys are breaking this down because when you mentioned about it, I was like, oh, crap, I have no idea. So House of the about. Dragon, they really go into depth with it. Uh, the first episode at the end, um, the soon-to-be queen is told that part of them keeping their power, the secret of their power, is to keep their bloodlines running strong. They are of the dragon bloodlines. They ride dragons, by the way. They have a specific like innate nature with dragons. It's it's unique. And they breathe fire. And they do breathe fire. Perfect. Which does play into, I think dragons are real too. So, don't get your butt cheeks tight. So anyway. Would that get butt cheeks tight? Some people. Would. Really? Uh, maybe not on your show. Hmm. I think if you said dinosaurs weren't real. Some of the deep state guys on my side get real tight with that stuff. <laughs> 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 so, we're going to get to this Dragon Court, and this is what this Brotherhood of the Snakes built on, and they call it the Dragon Court too, the Dragon Bloodlines. It's all the same thing, this, this original secret society. So there's names for these gods. I believe in my heart that all these gods existed. I think that all these cultures had these gods. They, they talked to these gods. Some of these gods are locked away in the pit right now, waiting to get back out. But they were gods. To these people, they were gods. I think the Nephilim, which are the Anunnaki in Sumerian culture, some people get that a little confused too because it seems like the Anunnaki are gods. They were considered gods. Nephilim were considered gods of their time too. They, sure. they, they were demigods, the titans of old. Think, like a 40 foot tall humanoid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, think Hercules, right? Right. That Hercules was considered And I a think demigod, Hercules right? existed. Nephilim. Yeah. Hershey's sure. could have been like an, Poseidon. Yeah. <laughs> well, people talk about Poseidon all the time. Like, like, you know, and I think that's where the whole Atlantis thing comes from, mm. where you got all of your Atlanteans 
that were very adept in the sea. They had powers, guys. This is where you get your superhero push now coming from. Marvel. They're getting you ready. Mm. They're getting you comfortable with the idea of people that have superpowers. Yes. Let me, let me, on that note, and don't lose your track here, but I will say this, and I don't know how everybody else feels, but I know back in the early 2000s when Marvel started really pumping out these superhero movies, it was really popular to go to. I would go to the movies with a girlfriend, Lindsay, when I was dating her, uh, and even in our marriage. And every time I'd walk out of the movie, I would feel, and I'm sure everybody feels the same way, you're walking down that hallway at the movie theater, leaving out to go out in the parking lot, and you're like, I don't want to leave this magical world I was just in, mm-hmm. and I wish to God I could do what I just watched. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, like, you, like you're like, I don't, I, don't, I don't want this to end. Like, I don't want this to end. I want to be that. Right. And, and you go into your car, and you're like, how can I become a super genius scientist that makes a super suit? Now, imagine seeing these in real life. And they're interceding for you. They're doing great things for you. They're building these communities. Obviously, they're still doing awful things, too, because a lot of these guys were pretty bad. They pillaged. They fought each other, too. Matter of fact, the, uh, the Book of Giants talks about the giant civil wars that went down as well. It's not like they were just super cool with each other at all times, either. These were very cocky, arrogant. Could you imagine being the son of a literal god, having features like them, not looking like anybody else, the world's your playground. That's what superheroes are. They're, 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 they're as Jay says, giving us that soft disclosure. They're getting us ready for this. So this dragon court, though, goes to what we call the mother of dragons. And I brought up Game of Thrones because Khaleesi was called the mother of dragons in that show. When I started digging into the dragon bloodlines and the dragon court, these are their names. The Mother of Dragons. Everything comes from something. George R. R. Martin, great writer, he didn't make all this stuff up. Just out of the top of his head. None of these guys are doing that. They're pulling from something. Even if it's purely his idea and he's not being coerced, he's pulling from history. Tolkien did. Tolkien pulled from the fairy cultures, which fairies did exist, by the way. The fairy bloodline. They know about these cultures. They know about these things. They believe in these things. What were we talking about? Tolkien? They say Tolkien's been to nope. hidden worlds. That's all I'm going to say. Let's see with that. We're going to leave it with that. that, that you're, you're, don't be cramping in on my new podcast. I'm not I'm cramping on. in on it. I'm just saying <laughs> that Tolkien has been said to have seen things, and that's why he was able to write so fluently about it about these fairies, about these things, why, why they line up so closely with these cultures from before. So uh, <clears throat> I don't want to go too far off what you're talking about, but I, it, it, what you said about early just struck me. Uh, Netflix 2021 came out with, a, 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 I believe it was a TV show. I believe it was. I remember watching it. It's called Jupiter's Legacy. Mm-hmm. And it's about these superheroes who are, are like your Marvel superheroes. They're saving the world and everything. But then you get to see behind the curtains of how evil they are and how corrupt they are and how they actually hate the human beings that they're helping. It's like it, the boys. I was going to say, just like the boys, because they freaking hate people. I've never, what's that? So the boys is a, is a big show on Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. And it is, uh, it's based on a, on a graphic novel run. Um, and it is the absolute seedy world of superheroes. They're a corporation. They have 
They have uh, marketing teams that make them look good. When bad things happen, they come and intercede, make them look better. But they all have selfish agendas and they have so much power that nobody can really stop them if they want to. That's exactly what Jupiter's legacy is as yeah. well. That's exactly what it is. That's it, like, and, and so th- this is this is kind of blowing my mind because it, it it's it's just taking what they're 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 giving us, but th- it's like it's the truth, right? It, it's correct. It, it, go ahead, keep going. I just when you said that, it, it got my, I was like, wait a second, what you just said literally was a TV show that I watched. And I don't watch a whole lot of TV shows, yeah. But when when the kids were born, so like the, 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 people have to understand when Ben was born and Gemma was born, I was driving truck. So when we had a baby, a newborn baby, <laughs> my alarm can't be going off at six o'clock in the morning in the bedroom. So I slept on the couch for months at a time and to go to bed at night, to fall asleep at night because I'm, I'm, I'm bored, I would watch Netflix. Man. And so these are the type of things I was watching. So yeah. Sounds a lot like The Boys because I know you yeah. watch The Boys. Yeah. It's a very entertaining show. It's, it's, it's good writing, but it gives you this side of superheroes that I think aligns more with what the Nephilim are. Matter of fact, there's been also a heavy push for this like rated R style of superhero. People mm-hmm. tend to gravitate to that because it seems more realistic. Again, romanticizing, making these things acceptable. The Nephilim, they, they, they weren't great. We know that from their <laughs> fathers. Um, but back to this Mother of Dragons thing, because this is wild. So as you start digging in Sumerian culture, Babylonian culture, and you start grabbing these names. So kind of started with like Mother Earth, Nehersag, who's also known as Gaia, Isis. Um, she's like a matriarchal source for the mighty men of old. These are women that bore Nephilim, but these were like your top tier, the Mother of Dragons. Just like Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. She was able to what? Make these dragon eggs hatch when nobody else could. These dragons were born of her in fire. She literally was burned in fire with these eggs, came out of the fire unscathed, and there were five dragons with her, ready to go. That was an allegory for what the real mother of dragons were doing. They were burying these Nephilim. And they weren't just burying them one time. They were burying them a lot. So you've got Nehersag, which they called the Dragon Queen of Life, her mother, Ki, the Dragon Queen of the Earth. All these names you'll understand, too, because they tie into this, like, Gaia, Mother Earth, all these names for, like, nature. They're they're derivatives of these women that bore these Nephilim, these dragon bloodlines. You got Tiamat, who was, like, part of the Anunnaki. Tiamat is actually known as the female Leviathan. I tracked the female Leviathan back to the Book of Giants, which said that when Noah got on the ark, there were still giants alive. The ones that didn't get away with their fallen angels or whatever, they were getting, you know, the deluge. They got eaten by a female Leviathan in the Book of Giants. So I thought that correlation was really unique too. This crazy godlike monster that helped them die. And it could be allegorical, but we're talking about these women who were considered or gods because here's the thing too, these Anunnaki, these Nephilim, they had kids. 
The females did. There wasn't just male Nephilim. There was females as well. Also, by the way, for people that want to know how physically it's possible for Nephilim to have relations with humankind. Doug Deep talked to Gary Wayne last week. I wanted to ask this question. It's been bothering me for like two years. How? He starts laughing and he said that there are some hieroglyphs that actually show this. There are women and there's like a giant like cup thing coming out of them and then a giant standing over. So there's some sort of device that's allowing it to create this life. And then he said on the flip side, for men, they could easily, you know, copulate with like a giant female. That's possible. So they did do that. That's how these bloodlines got diluted. These bloodlines still exist, guys. The dragon, the dragon court, the patriarchal, this is what these elites protect. This is what these elites are. This is why they think they're better than us because they have the blood of the gods. This goes back to Lucifer, what I said earlier. Meat sacks. They're not meat sacks. Not holy. They have the blood of the gods. If you were walking around with the blood of the gods and you were raised to know that you had the blood of the gods and you are a part of this elite structure, power structure, why wouldn't you think you're better than everyone else? Yeah. We're nothing to these people. Mm. We're cattle. If you look at it in more simplistic terms, away from that, you look at today's world of athletics, professional athletics. Mm -hmm. A lot of these professional athletes carry themselves in that kind of vein. You look at these professional athletes and they, they the way that their interactions with people that are not professional athletes, the, the media, the the fan base. It's like, 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 it's like, who are you to even suggest such a thing? Whatever you're talking about, right? It, it, it's it, it's this like. We are top tier. Not only are we superior physical specimens than almost 100% of people out there, but we even have the riches to batch it up. Like they have everything. And it's this idea that we are better than you. And it's the same situation I would think with that. Just I was trying to maybe like modernize the idea of this. Maybe I didn't do a good job. No, you did. You're you give me the dead stare. I'm like, oh, maybe I did a bad no, job. No, no, you, you made perfect <laughs> sense. And I've got some wild theories about athletes and Nephilim anyway. Because I, I was thinking, I was thinking in my mind, it, it, Russell Westbrook has that kind of attitude that I, that I, I was thinking of. Like it's just like, you, like you, Russell Westbrook strikes me as the kind of person that if I came to him and started asking him questions, he'd be like, dude, I don't know who you are. Get away from me. You know what I mean? It's just like that. Like like what? You know? Like just get away. Uh. Eric, what was the episode I did with you? Was it called Transhumanism? Yes. Okay. I won't go into detail here because we don't want to get you banned, but <laughs> I go a little bit deeper into what I think about some athletes and Nephilim. Mm. But I go into a weird aspect of it. So if you get a chance, go to Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable Podcast. I'm Look looking it up. I'm looking it up. Yeah. So... Cool. And I really go into this crazy theory about Nephilim and transhumanism. So go check that out. But you were right spot on. That's why I was looking at you that way. I'm like, okay. Oh, I, thought, I, was, I was like, you're hitting home with some I, stuff I you don't thinking, know what you're hitting home on. <laughs> I was just like, oh, maybe I'm way off. <laughs> no, you're way closer than you think. I've never seen Joel look at me such a way. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think on that note, we could take a break. We'll and we'll come cool. back. Awesome. Yeah. And actually, it was funny because Christian was just doing the break. 
So awesome. Uh, we're, and and we're going to take a break. We're going to dump the SD card, get some fluids, and then we'll be back. And maybe I'll put a commercial one here. I don't know. <laughs> So I got a friend on Instagram who decorated his house with Christmas lights already before Halloween even got here. That's a little ambitious to me, but if he wants to celebrate the holidays already, I can tell you right now, I got a deal that he would love because I didn't see it on his house. And that's Simply Safe because right now, Simply Safe, you can get 40% off. So if you're one of those people who's been waiting for the right time money wise, or you're trying to wait until you can afford it, now is the time for Simply Safe. The holiday season apparently is here, and you can treat yourself to an early Christmas present with 40% off Simply Safe's award winning home security system. When a threat is detected, Simply Safe's monitoring professionals promptly come contact you and dispatch first responders to your home. It's 24-7 professional monitoring with advanced sensors in every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and outside your home. Simply Safe has your entire home blanketed in protection, virtual protection with Simply Safe. That's 40% off Simply Safe. Don't miss this chance to save big when you protect your home with the best. Get 40% off your order when you visit simplysafe.com slash confessionals today. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes. That's simplysafe.com slash confessionals. There's no safe like Simply Safe. And we're back after that break. Uh, in the moment, I'm not sure how that break is going to actually sound to the audience. We might play a commercial. We might play uh, 30 Hours to Utah. Or maybe we'll be like, and we'll be back, everybody. And we're back, everybody. I don't know how it's going to sound, but we are back now. And uh, before we get back into the second half of this show, uh, what was the name of the episode for Uncomfortable that Joel was on? That was PSYOP. That Psy-Op. was episode okay. 35. Gotcha. So we were referencing that earlier stuff for the listeners. If you want to go back and listen to that Uncomfortable podcast. Uh, episode called PSYOP, uh, where Joel was on Eric's show, Uncomfortable Podcast. And once again, just to let people know, since we're here coming back in from the intermission, uh, I am your host of this episode on all these other RSS feed streams. Uh, my name is Tony Merkel. I host the Confessionals Podcast, where we talk to people about their bizarre paranormal encounters. And we are joined by Joel from Kill the Mockingbirds. Uh, Joel... Just a brief synopsis. Just introduce yourself real quick. <laughs> yeah, I'm one half of the group Van Tesla with Quan Duke, and I'm also one half of the podcast Kill the Mockingbirds with Sean Chris, where we keep your butt cheeks tight. Keep butt cheeks tight. Eric? Uh, Eric Slodgy, host of Uncomfortable Podcast. I am the only. That's it. I'm All right. The, I'm the only. <laughs> I I have no partners. The I one and no, only I have, Eric. I have nothing other than myself. <laughs> Perfect. And Justin, what's up, man? Justin, Cryptids of Corn podcast. One third. We do magical things, science stuff. That's where we meet. One third. Mm-hmm. You have a third person? Yeah. I didn't know that. My wife. Oh, shout out to your wife. <laughs> In that case. <clears throat> I'm one half of the confessional podcast. <laughs> Lindsay is my wife. <laughs> I, am, I am still just the one. The one. <laughs> so we're talking. actively pursuing that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're, we're talking some uh, bonkers stuff. Joel, you were rolling that first half, popping brains. And uh, I think it's needed. I think it's sobering. 
Uh, I think I needed to hear that some of the things you were saying, and I hope that the audience is eating it up. And uh, Joel, is there an email people can email you at? Because uh, if they want to complain, they should know where to direct those complaints. Absolutely. So I got a couple emails. If you just want to go to kill the kill the mockingbirds at gmail.com. Uh, and address Sean Chris. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. If you want to go there so he can see some of the heat you want to give me, definitely do that because we both run all the Kill the Mockingbird stuff together. So whether it's social media or emails, whatever, we run both of that together. So we both see everything that comes through. It's always funny when somebody sends through an attack to one of us and it's like, no, no, we, we saw that too. I yeah. saw that, bud. So, uh, Shoot, you, so he saw me talking bad about you. Okay. If you just want to reach out to me individually to give me a reaming, go to joelthomas at vantesla.com. That's the easiest way to do it. Um, you can try to DM me, but you know if it's something nasty, I'm probably just not even going to look at it. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to uh, scope his social media, even though you don't like him, you don't want to say that because he'll just block you. So the best way to get to keep yourself from being unblocked is real email. quick. And I'm not going to go on a long tangent on this though, but I encourage anybody that is a creator and anything that has social media, if somebody's actively doing things you don't like, just don't engage with them, block them. Mm -hmm. the, if somebody came in your house running their mouth, you would kick them out. Probably worse. Yeah, I'd shoot them. So, oh my God. Jeez. Oh, jeez. Wow. Sorry, that escalated quickly. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, ten I'm Tennessee Tony over here, and he's, he's, oh he's God. I mean, Woo. it's enough for attacking entities. He's trying to go, he is trying to lure the three letters in. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, we're getting them all in here now, boy. <laughs> well, I bought the but no, you're legally. right. You're right. Absolutely. Just block them. Just block them. Yeah. We found so much peace doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, generally speaking, if you don't like what we say on social media, which uh, a lot of the reels people get super angry with, or in a lot, I'd say majority, let me give a lot of shout out though. A lot of people give us a lot of great compliments mm. and love what we're doing. Um, when people don't agree with stuff though, they say what they disagree with. That's fine. But if you're just jumping in like trash, bleh, and a bunch of like yuck mouth, whatever, I'm just going to yuck mouth you out of here. Like the, I encourage anybody else though, who's creating to do that because you don't need to see that negativity. We're not trying to build negativity here. Yeah. We're just trying to uplift each other. And at the end of the day, if you don't agree with somebody, you know what you can do is just scroll right on past. <laughs> it's as simple as that. That's what I do when I don't agree with something. And sometimes, honestly, if my butt cheeks are getting tight, I go look into it. And then I find out that, man, that person was kind of right. <laughs> kind of wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. But uh, I know you ready to get back into it. Yeah. And we're going to go to one of my favorite parts of this, the meat sacks. And this is the part where Eric really starts getting tight. And we're, we're going to delve into this. We're going to start with the 1947. And I know that the scientist directly across from me is going to be involved with some of this conversation for sure because he knows a lot about this stuff. So I definitely want him involved in this because he and I have talked a lot about this stuff oh, okay. on the phone. Yeah, We've dug into this. We've had conversations. Not that you and I haven't too, Eric, but we've, I don't know if we had in-depth conversation on the phone like yeah, Justin and you're I. done with me. <sighs> well, it's, <laughs> you're getting to that point where we got to take you out to the pasture, you know? <laughs> the farm upstate. <laughs> Speaking of that thing you were talking about earlier. Those emails, again, <laughs> should be addressed to Joel Thomas at VanTesla.com. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, the, the meat sack 
thing really started coming to the forefront when we I was digging into cryptids, right? This is kind of when I really started thinking about it because it was coming up in cryptid communities and guys that tie in government agencies, three-letter agencies into the paranormal, into alien activity, into what I would like to introduce today is the Nephilim and the fallen spirits of the Nephilim. So I want to be clear about the meat sacks. I don't think that fallen angels take over these or puppet these meat sacks. Fallen angels can't possess. Fallen angels can avatar. So an avatar, for people that don't understand, is more of a remote control. Like say you were playing a video game and you held a remote control and you were controlling a third-person player game. Moving them around, telling them what to do. You had complete control over them, but you're not inside of them. It's like the movie Avatar. And not the one we were talking about, Justin. Justin thought I was talking about uh, Avatar, the airbender. (laughs) I was also three sheets to the wind. You were three sheets to the wind. (laughs) He thought I was talking about Avatar, the airbender. I was talking about the movie Avatar, um, where they literally get inside of the tubes and their consciousness goes into these bodies, which essentially is the same thing. I think fallen angels can do that. I think... That's been done a lot throughout the Bible when they talk about fallen angels interacting and you, and you see these possessions but aren't necessarily possessions where demonic entities are inside. I think that the Antichrist will be avatared. He will be created for the purpose of Lucifer, Lucifer avataring him. He'll have some control. He knows what's going on, but he's going to actively give up his body to allow Satan to avatar him to create this illusion. Satan needs that to be able to interact with people on a level that won't scare them. I also think that the Antichrist is from these bloodlines, specifically the patriarchal dragon bloodline. I think he's going to come from that. This is what they're gearing up for, the elites. That's what they want. Uh, I also think he's going to be a Nephilim. I think he may be visibly a Nephilim in the sense of six fingers, six toes. He's going to appear to be that evolutionary step for humanity. The quote-unquote alien-human hybrid, the perfect hybrid. This is what they're moving towards because... And this is my belief, and I know a lot of people have different beliefs, and Eric and I amicably argue about these points, but I believe the Word of God. I don't believe that aliens came in and messed with our DNA back in the day with some apes and made us. But this is what they are pushing. You watch Ancient Aliens. You watch any of these, you know, disclosure documentaries where they start going down these rabbit holes of ancient aliens and they start showing all the hieroglyphs. And, all, and, and granted, these hieroglyphs show all kinds of things. Spaceships. These things were around back then. They were. They, that's why they're up on these walls. Absolutely. They look 
very similar to what we think aliens are today. Um, in some ways, though, these greys, especially the greys, they show up in Irish culture as fairies. They had flying ships and they kidnapped people. <laughs> they were grey. And these show up throughout cultural history. You could, you could look up on uh, some of the wall. You could see greys like in different cultures. Big heads, big eyes, small. They'll even look smaller than humans. They won't look like the Nephilim that are towering over humans, but you'll see them in these spaces. Now, when it comes to greys, I think there's different kinds of greys, though, too. You know how we talk about cryptids? We talk about Bigfoot. How we think there's metaphysical, we think there's physical, maybe something in between. There's different things going on. Uh, Justin, you talked about this yesterday about Bigfoot. You want to expound on what you think about Bigfoot real quick because this will tie back into the gray stuff. Yeah. It's, you're talking about with like the Fae and stuff or? Yes. Okay. Yeah, there's the organic, like the thing I think I encountered was the classic flesh and blood organic. I believe I was standing across from an animal, but other people have the encounters where they're more, they're, they're not. And like, so the Fae folk, when you inspire, when you experience them in the, like the wilderness, they will mimic whatever you want them to be. And when people go out in the woods, that's the big thing. They want to see Bigfoot. And how many people go walking through Hocking Hills? That's, you know, by us. But it's like, I oh, you know, hope we see Bigfoot. So you encounter one of these entities. They have that. They feel that energy. Here's the costume I'll put on. Here's the look I'll do. That's when you have Bigfoot. They're associated with orbs of light. The red eye glow, not eye shine. And yeah, so that's basically that. But there's organic, like people experience fully animalistic behaviors, you know, something you would expect to see in the animal kingdom. Why would the Fae do that? Or why would anything else do that if you don't need to do that? Why are you trying to dig up grubs if you are a spiritual being that doesn't Mm -hmm. need it? But then why can you walk off a cliff? Why do you have glowing red eyes? And why can you use a ball of light? You know, so that's what basically that is. It's two very different things that happen to look very similar. I think one is looking very similar because that is what you want it to look like. So you're putting that image out there and it's just like, okay, I'll wear this costume. I'll do this. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's happening with the gray alien side of it too. I think you've got fallen angels that can disguise themselves or even Faye in that sense can disguise themselves as these grays. That's the ones that you see that show up in the rooms that look almost transparent. You know, they'll, they'll, They'll freeze people, you know, uh, uh, they'll have that paralysis. It's almost like a, a see-through thing with them. You know, it's, it's that weird, out of kind of disproportionate thing that's going on inside of your head. It's almost like they're in your head, in a sense. But when you look at them, it's, it's, they look physical. They look physical, but you can see through them. Mm-hmm. But the meat sack idea, this comes from the Nephilim. So if you know anything about the Bible, God put a cap on the lifespans of 120 years. There's a reason for that. Because the original Nephilim didn't have lifespan. They, they, they kind of inherited from their fathers this ability to have eternal life. Now imagine how arrogant you would be as a giant that the original Nephilim, they say, and I've got kind of this little graph right here and I can show you guys of the, you know, the original, these are actually, this was bones that were found in Roman culture 
This is 36 cubics. This is over 40 feet tall. They found two of them next to each other, and then there was some earthquake, and they found the third one on this island. Wow. So this is kind of in the range of what people think is what was the original ones. Um, That's incredibly big. Correct. <laughs> like, 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 think, like, just for a second, think about, you said 40 feet tall. Mm -hmm. Think about how wide that is. Correct. This isn't just a bean pole. Two to one is what they say they are in ratio. As humans are three to one, mm. they say Nephilim are two to one. So they would have to be half as wide as they are tall. Mm. 20 feet wide to 40 feet tall if they were 40 feet. That gives you a range of what you're thinking. And they were very, very athletic, very fast, quick, and they inherited traits from their fathers. So they had what we would consider superpowers. Mm -hmm. They had things that they could do that wasn't human-like. It's where you kind of get some of your shape-shifting from, which I think was passed down through some of the, especially the fairy side, when you start getting into the, like the fey folk and you start getting into the reptilians, which the salamanders, they call them <laughs> salamanders. He's always talking about salamanders, Justin. <laughs> salamanders, uh, they shapeshift, but they are part of that fairy side. So reptilians were kind of the upper tier of the fairy side. They're a little below Nephilim, but they're like the upper tier of that fairy bloodline. So they inherit these traits. Um, and so essentially, the uh, back to the greys. So these meat sacks are created for these Nephilim. Because these Nephilim, these men are renowned, when they put that cap, when God put that 120-year cap down, that's why. They were, they were living forever. But they don't have a place to go. Their spirit has no place to go. Book of Enoch talks about it. Again, we're talking Enoch, 90 percentile, I think, in truth. Even the, even the Book of Giants talks about it. These were the spirits. These are the demons that we talk about. There's a host of different kind of demons. But they're pretty angry. Think about it. You had... You could live forever. And you were a freaking Nephilim giant with powers and you ruled. And then God put a cap on you and then your body died out and then you got no place to go. No cap. So you either go to, <laughs> so you either go to Sheol or, or the underworld or you roam the earth looking for a body. Now they possess. That's what they're able to do. If people allow them if you're open to that type of thing without even knowing it sometimes, you're dabbling in things you, you don't know you're dabbling in, that opens up these doors, you can open yourself up to possession. But I believe these meat sacks are created for these demonic entities. So these are your grays that aren't see-through, that are very organic. I think 1947, I think they found meat sacks. Because here's what I think about the government. I think the government is stupid in a lot of ways. I think they can be tricked easily. I think a lot of people in the government are just puppets. Now, they're kind of like meat sacks too. But <laughs> they're puppets that aren't in control. These bloodlines, these family bloodlines that are behind the scenes, they're the ones that know what really the entities are. They know what the fallen angels are. They know what the Nephilim are. They know what these demonic entities are. 
But what's the best manipulation, the best trick? You trick the government too. You stage a crash. Bodies drop. Technology's found. Two of them are still alive. You take them down, as the story goes. And if people don't know the story, we're going to go into it just a little bit. One of them dies. The other one lives. He's in there for a year. Not talking to him. Nothing. And one day they walk in. He's just speaking Say English. Yeah. He's like, yo, uh, let me get to the mothership real quick. We'll set something up. And they do. They set something up. It's kind of when the Majestic 12 was created. Eisenhower. Rockefeller. All the names we know are involved. The Vatican is big time involved with this. Matter of fact, they're the only religious entity that's always involved with this stuff. Nobody else. It wasn't like they got like, you know, somebody the upper tier in Islam and like, oh, come over here and help us out. No, no, Southern no, no, no. Baptist no. church. Correct. <laughs> They're not doing that. They send a bishop out there with them. They make a pact with these quote unquote beings. And the pact is to allow the greys and there's, and there's conjecture was there reptilians evolved too because a lot of people think reptilians tell greys what to do. There's always, it seems to be a reptilian involved in some of these things. I do think fallen angels do manifest different ways. So I think they can manifest as a grey, can manifest as like reptilian too. Again, back to the faith thing, the, you know, we just, they could take different appearances here mm-hmm. to trick. We, we know they can shape shift. This has been in so many. It's, that's straight biblical. Straight biblical. like. Like just for I, when, when we're saying this stuff, sometimes I, I I just feel the need to maybe point back to the biblical aspect just so that people listening that are of a Christian foundation can uh, can uh, understand and maybe just helping them visualize the direction because what we're talking about is is deep stuff. It's crazy, right? But uh, the idea that you what you're talking about fallen angels shape shifting reptilians. Come on. No, in reality, uh, we have evidence throughout the Bible of angels coming before men and shape shifting. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the one of the the best examples is with Lot, and they looked like human men to the point that the the city wanted to have sex have with sex them. with them. Yeah, he's like, and Lot's like, in which I don't agree with Lot's messed up for this, but he's like, no, no, these are my guests. You can have my daughters, and like we don't want your daughters. We want those men. <laughs> but yeah, like, but he, they, they, these are angels that looked like humans, broke bread with him, ate with him, consumed food with him. So, uh, in the very in in that story, it it, it, it they are shape shifting. Yeah. So it, it it's not because when we say shape shift. Some people might just tune out like, come on, bro, like shape shifting, really? But no, no, really, like, we, we, and I don't know if we said it on the recording at some point today, but I know we talked about it this weekend how uh, the, the, the Christians, so, so the, the supernatural being taken out of Christianity, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and it, part of that process is American Christianity, American churches they have a very hard time Christians fathoming what we're talking about. They, they want to laugh at the idea that we want to talk about Bigfoot or this, all this supernatural, this crazy stuff. Like, let's just call it this, forget supernatural. Let's call it paranormal stuff. 
but it's literally in their Bible. And if they would just read it, they would see that. And so... Well, they say all that stuff's just an allegory or it's it's a metaphor, that it's not real. I think when you take that part out of it... If but you, here's the issue, though. You believe that there's a God. Whether you believe that that book's metaphorical, you believe there's a God. That you never laid a eyes on. A supernatural being yeah. that created you. So you're telling me that that supernatural being just created us and nothing else. And, and, and it was just like benign and vanilla. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that. Listen to yourself. You sound ridiculous. Like, just, now, I, if you want to come to me and say you don't believe in God and you believe in the Big Bang and you believe in this like structured, ordered, cool. Cool. That makes sense to me. Yep. I can get down with that. Yep. I'm not going to fault you for that. I totally get that scientific view. But if you get out of that scientific view and you start be- talking about you believe in God or whatever, well, now you just open up the whole world of possibilities. Mm-hmm. You can't reel it back in. You can't just go halfway or yeah. a, a step. It make any sense. You, you, you paradoxed yourself. Absolutely. So I, I I I didn't mean to pull away from you and stuff. No. I, I just I I just kind of felt like I needed to to interject that because I, I I just want people who are listening that maybe come from a Christian foundation, especially as Christian, because I've had a lot of interactions with them over the years. Uh, they 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 can tend to to overlook things that if they just would pause for a second and, and put it in perspective, it's like oh, well yeah, I guess that that does make sense. You know what I mean? Right. And so I maybe because. And typically, I probably wouldn't even do that. But knowing that this is going to be on three other podcast streams, mm-hmm. it, it, you don't know who's listening. And so I thought that would be a good idea for us to... No, for sure. And it was something that you and I talk about all the time. Yeah. I've talked about with Eric. I've talked about with Justin, Jay. Like, it just makes sense. Justin's wife. And Justin's wife, actually, mm-hmm. yes. For sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it, it, <laughs> but in all honesty, it, it's 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 true, and I'm glad you put that out there because I find it absolutely fascinating. People that can believe in God, but can't believe in anything else. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up. Do one or the other. Don't halfway something. Don't halfway it. Like you don't have to listen, and you don't have to say that you believe in the Bible, but if you believe in a God. You need to be open to all this other crap. Like, you gotta be, because there's no other way around it. You believe in a being. Let me play the devil's advocate for a minute. No. Maybe, and maybe that's a bad term <laughs> to use uh, at this point. But let me just play the devil's advocate. You're, you're, you're preaching that if you are open to believing in God, then you have to open yourself to all that. But from the standpoint of some people's perception, you are taking everything that would make God even more incredibly vast and creative. And you're you're wrapping everything back up and sending it all back to that what do you mean by that explain that part because you're saying you're saying that aliens are actually the angels and instead of 
being open to that God created aliens. That God created us. He created the angels. He created, created demons and all the creepy, crawly little things that go along with them and the aliens and this and that and this and that. And they're, they're separate. They don't all have to, again, I'm playing the devil's advocate. They don't all have to come back to the things that you're saying. They don't all have to wrap back no. up into a religious conspiracy that that bottoms out with everything is related to angels and demons and the fight against God. So again, again, I'm not looking to argue. I'm just taking from the standpoint Too of bad, bro. The the standpoint <laughs> you started of, it. Well, that, and that's fine too. I mean, it can go there if it wants. But what I'm doing is I'm taking from from a listener's perspective sure. yeah. and saying that as a listener, my God is so much more than what you're giving him credit for. And you're minimizing, essentially, a minimizing and taking away from the aspect of there is more. And it all comes back to it's got to be all wrapped up in this nice, nice little neat bow that only Christians, and I'm going to take some heat for this, and I'm not saying this is my belief, and I'm not saying it's not my belief. I'm just taking a different perspective of somebody who's listening to this. Sure. Of what it could sound like. Yeah. So I'm open to God creating all kinds of stuff. I think you're missing the point. I get what you're saying. No, the devil advocate, devil's advocate, advocate is. Yeah, Eric, for sure. For Eric's, sure. Eric's driving with you. I know. I see him getting like heated over there, and I know he's about to blow. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not heated at all. <laughs> no, I mean, so, I'm just playing. I'll be a sarcastic. So w what I mean is, I am, do not like rain God in at all. Mm. Everything you said could be true. One hundred percent. My issue with aliens is there's there's just not anything good coming out of them ever, for that matter. They're just demonic. And anybody how, that's had how, these how interactions, that? Eric, it always ends badly. And we hear this time and time again. Justin, you're nodding your head over there. Yeah. Uh, it, what do you think? Anything that involves specifically the grays always ends horribly. Whoever, even if they're But positive. there's also stories of the Nordics and there's stories of the Palladians and there's stories of this and that. It, it, this, all of it could be complete and utter horseshit. From the word go. But you're, you're saying it always ends that way. But there are stories that are talking about benevolent entities. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think when you use the word entity in relation to describing extraterrestrial, the word entity has a negative connotation to it anyway. Even if you say a spiritual entity, it kind of makes you feel like you're you're talking about something that might not be on the good side you know so but you know again i'm playing the devil's advocate i love it that's why you're here so yeah i mean um so i i i've said this for years i i who am i to say that god can't create aliens mm -hmm. if if god is so big and powerful like i believe then who's to say he can't do anything like like I, and that's where I shrink and I say, Meh, maybe, you know, because I'm not God. And, and like I said earlier, way earlier in the conversation, I don't believe all of history 
as that that ev- all of history cannot be encompassed into the Bible. God gave us information in the Bible for a specific reason, right? So outside of that, I don't know what God did, right? Uh, devil's advocate to your devil's advocate. <laughs> uh, there could be alien entities God created that are deceptive and are are actually nefarious, but coming across as as benevolent beings, just like we know, fallen angels rebelled against God and things like that. So, like, let's forget forget we're getting way off into the, the waters right now. But like, forget about aliens being fallen angels or anything like that. Let's just say aliens are aliens. They're they're other entities or beings from other universes and planets. They could rebel against their creator, just like just like uh, uh, fallen angels have, just like human beings do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so that's why I think uh, uh, from a Christian foundation perspective, uh, we, I, well, I should not put my faith and trust in any beings or entities outside of Christ, God, because there is that deception uh, and and we know that alien or aliens, uh, fallen angels, are real, and f- it's in the name they have fallen. They have rebelled from God, and to I, I, I'm that there could be a whole vast of beings throughout the universe that God created. That at what at whatever point, they, certain sects of them maybe decided to rebel. Right. Uh, same thing with uh, again Psalm eighty two. God held judgment amongst God. Like God literally created other gods. Like literally, it says it. Mm. And then he's like, "How long are you gonna hold hold the 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 wicked?" Um, I forget how it goes. I always mess it up. But basically, he's saying like, "Dude, there's bad people in the world, and you're pro- you're promoting them. Like 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 w- like you're doing exact opposite, right? So like these these gods didn't do their job, you know. And so it, it, I I just I. I I don't know. I'm probably going way off. I'm going to say this back to the alien thing, because really I was specifically talking about greys. I wasn't getting into all the other alien entities, which there's a lot, which we've heard of. And, you know, we've been talking about Admiral Byrd going in the center of the earth and all that whole hoopla too with the tall, blonde, humanoid people. And again, I think what's odd though with every alien encounter and this is why I go to this, Eric. They always push themselves as our creators. Every time. Grace, Tillians, they all come in and say that they are the evolution, the next level of evolution of us, that they helped guide us. It's the ancient alien theories. Helped guide us over the centuries. They were are gods. That's why I tie it back into fallen angels, Eric. It's it's because of what they're saying. It's not because of what they're doing per se, because sometimes they can come off, like you said, as benevolent. A lot of times it starts that way, but it always becomes a, take your focus off him. Take your focus off God, the creator. Why, why is it that you're right. God can create wherever he wants. I totally agree with you. 
But why are these entities, if they were something God created, why are they telling us that they created us? Why is it always that? That's the issue I have with it. That's why I pull it back into this portal baby theory. Because they do this consistently and they've done it forever. It's just now we're calling them aliens. They were called a multitude of different things throughout history. We're just now calling them aliens. Technology, all these things. That's the issue I have. They have taken upon themselves to tell us that they created us. So if you're right, and you're playing devil's advocate, you're not really saying what you think. You're just saying that it that God in his vastness and infinite glory can do whatever he wants. So I completely agree with you. We don't know a small fraction of anything he's done. Okay, he created these aliens. We're not very good because they're coming and telling us that they created us. So they definitely have an agenda themselves. That's where I'm going with it. And that's why I draw it back into this theory, especially the grays, because they've showed up throughout history. They're showing up a lot right now. A lot. And the meat sack aliens, along with meat sack cryptids, by the way, I think that the cryptids that are showing up around these bases, the white Bigfoot, dogmen, I think they're meat sacks that are created by the government for these entities to take over. Preach! <laughs> because they have an, a specific goal in mind. Meat sacks just don't, like, stop with gray aliens. And back to the government being stupid, if it's a biological organism that you find, whether an entity was inside of it or not, a demonic entity, still biological, still take it apart, still meat, Sack. It's what they're able to look at. <laughs> I did that just for Eric. <laughs> yeah, for the audience listening right now, like as soon as he said meat sack, Eric's just like chuckling and shaking his head. He's just like, I'm really not doing this like turning over. We're just at that part. <laughs> but they, it's it's easy to. It would be easy to fool governments too. Again, back to the bloodlines, the elite bloodlines. They know what's going on, but they need to fool everybody. I believe the governments really believe they're talking to aliens. I think they believe that they're in a pact with the aliens back to the Majestic 12 when they made the pact where the aliens, the greys, told them that, hey, listen, we're going to abduct X amount of people. We're going to make a pact with you. We'll give you technology to allow us to take people. We'll let you know who we take, even though they didn't adhere to that. They started just running rampant, do whatever they wanted. Taking women. Taking women. Is this drawing anything back no, to Enoch? No, can you go further? <laughs> so I think that greys are facilitating when taking men and women, both. I think they take, we'll just for best way to say it, fluids from men to help genetic with this process. Uh, genetic material. Thank you. See, it's nice having him here. It's nice having a scientist on board. I know. <laughs> genetic material. Yes, taking genetic material from both. I think women are hosts. I think they're trying to create the perfect Nephilim. Gary Wayne told me something a week ago that resonated with me. And I was like, I'm totally throwing this in here because it's going to be a part of like where my theory is. Fallen angels, he thinks there was two incursions. He thinks there was an incursion before the flood when they created the first Nephilim. 
He thinks there was another incursion after the flood when the Raphaim came along and just like the new Nephilim, basically. I think there's a, I threw out my idea about the portals and he said that, well, it's not very viable in the sense of that could totally be plausible as well. I think they got portaled away into this portal world, this other dimension that they kept them until after the flood and they released X amount back or whatever the ones that survived, the ones they pulled, fallen angels did. We know they can portal. Another Raphaim can, can portal for sure because their genetic code, they can move in and out of portals. They know it, it's actually part of a uh, ritualistic system as well. That's why people now, which is warlocks, people use rituals to do what? Open portals. Open portals. They've been doing it for centuries. The, the Nephilim were just really adept at it because they had, they were really close to the bloodline. They knew what they were doing. They were taught from their fathers what to do. And I think, yeah, they portaled them away, brought them back. And I think right now that's what they're doing. But Gary Way made a point to me, and it made a lot of sense. He said that God has a strict rule on earth that if there's an incursion, you go into the pit. Do how it is. You go to the pit, you're going to the abyss until it's time to unlock you in, that, in the last days when they let them back out again. So I'm wrapping my mind around this. The portal world, it's not Earth. That's the loophole. That's where they're building these Nephilim armies. So what's happening. That's where they're going to do it because if you ever think about these alien abductions, they go somewhere, they don't know where they go. They're not on Earth. They're going to wherever these ships take them or wherever they go. A lot of times they, they're just in this like crazy lucid state. They don't know what's going on. And this is where they're testing. So I, Now, again, this goes back to science. The fallen angels or angels in general are very, very technologically advanced. We talked about the angel wars on first earth before the new earth when Adam came. The angel wars, I think, was a technological just eruption between two sides. You imagine two warring factions with technology that's out of control, making the, basically the earth implode on itself. So I think what they've done, they found the loophole, and it's why they're not in the open anymore. They know they can't because if they do an incursion here, it, they're going right back. They got to build this thing. And to Eric, your point on portal babies, you made a really good point that stuck with me as part of this, that's building part of this theory. There's elites and there's a small amount of them. There's not a lot of them. When it comes to like subjugating people, you need an army and you need a strong army. And their main interest is to find the remaining bloodlines and those who are purest of those bloodlines because it'll be easier to get back to the original bloodline. Correct. Mm -hmm. That really resonated with me. He told me that on that podcast with them needing. They need, they need, they need bouncers. Like some big ones in the wings. But I do think that when you get to these this ultimate Nephilim, this 
what they're looking to build this Antichrist to be. I think he's going to be very close to human. I don't think it's going to be like some massive giant. I think he's going to look like us, maybe outside of six fingers, you know, six toes, maybe something a little, a little different. I think power level would be something we consider a superhero to be able to do. Things that we don't understand. Like Star Wars, Force, something like that. Things that our minds can't understand scientifically. I always say that magic's just science that we don't understand. It is. Like, we consider God magical, but that's just science. There's a science to it. There's an encoding, the way that he encoded the earth, encoded the universe, encoded us with DNA. That's science. But the average person, like, oh, that's magic. I mean, it, it, it flows out completely. But I believe that that's the loophole. They're taking him here, there. They're building these, making these Nephilim, testing these Nephilim. And then they're bringing the people back. Whether they let, like some women, they let it gestate for a little bit and they just up and they don't have the baby anymore. And then nobody around them remembers them being pregnant. And they feel like they're going crazy. You know, you got that. But as far as the incursion goes, I think the incursion doesn't happen here. I think it happens in this portal world. And I'm not going to say anything about, you know what, but I will say the hidden book affirmed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of where I'm going with this. Hidden book, meaning um, uh, I have, uh, I'm working on a new podcast that should be out within the next, uh, I would say six months to a year. Mm -hmm. uh, And probably sooner, I would imagine, but I'm trying to give myself a big timeline. (laughs) Um, But uh, basically, uh, it's not about the book. I mean, it is, but it, it the book is more on the back end for those involved uh, to know that you're not crazy in the sense mm-hmm. because the book predates my show. But there is a story that I'm chasing that uh, intertwines everything. Uh, about a year ago, I started talking about how I, I have a story that... Um, seems to take all the pieces that we've been talking about over the years and it's like a centerpiece of the puzzle and it, everything seems to fit into it and that's exactly what what you're talking about it it the more you look into it the more you're like there's no way they made it up no it it was it came out we won't say the date we won't say anything about it but when it came out it predated you yeah by a lot but the stories in the book and are for, straight from my show. And for these people to know what they knew, mm-hmm. they either had to be really like coordinated in in what for they their were, ages, right? They were young, and I'm not saying people that are young can't be on it and super intelligent with this stuff because I've seen some that are. Mm-hmm. But when I'm reading it. I mean, lights are just dinging off in my head because like I'm reading the book of Enoch, I'm reading all this other stuff and then I'm reading this book and I'm like, oh my God. Like it is just affirming this theory of mine. Mm -hmm. It was like that missing piece I needed. And I know I was like, man, I need this book. I need this book. Mm -hmm. And then I finally came down here, got a hold of it and I'm reading it and I'm like, oh my God, this is what I needed because it started tying in all the fabric pieces to this. Because these are, from the, the, it's written by people who aren't 
Christian who don't yeah. think like us no, at all. I mean, it was written by a witch. Exactly. She, she is a witch. An right absolute now. witch. And the guy that the story's built around is we're talking not at all down the path we walk. No. But everything they're talking about is exactly what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. just from that perspective. But it all lined up. So, so then what's, I mean, why the, why the secrecy? Why the, res because why the responsibility of not saying the name of the book? Or because the author, uh, she's been running from this. She ha she's had uh, people try killing her and she had the book taken off the market. There's only 12 to 15 copies in existence and she doesn't want anything to do with this anymore because it scares her and uh, it's it's an ethical thing for me. She doesn't want her name out there. Oh, I understand that. She, I mean, I, I just, I don't know that. I don't know anything other than yeah, so having I mean, heard a couple of little hints. Throughout yeah, so like if, I, if I were to reveal the book, people will, like, like when, I, when, when I drop this podcast, like this podcast probably is going to get bigger than confessionals almost instantaneously. And there's going to be thousands of people that would hit her up and she's scared to death of this. Like she, she cut me off from for a while and recently started talking to me again. She, I, I was in her neck of the woods a couple months ago and I said, you want to meet? And she's like, absolutely not. Like, no, you know, uh, she's happy to answer questions, but she wants to keep things at an arm's distance. So, um, ethically. So, know. so who's, you know, her, her fear of, um, attack or, or, you know, worse coming from people who find out and, and disagree with no her revelations or no, uh, well, she had, she had a stalker that's trying to kill her. Yeah. But, um, it's more of what's in the other realm and how okay, so spiritual, not dispatch. just spiritual, like the stuff in the other realm is very, very physical, very real and very much comes in and out all the time. Mm -hmm. And it scares her. And so I can't do it, you know, yeah. and I, and I know very well and, and, and I've come to the, to the understanding. I've come to the grips of this. I'm okay with it. I know I'm going to release this information. And because I'm not showing my receipts of the book, I will be called a liar. I'll be called somebody who made it all mm. up. I'm okay with that. And it, I, I can't, I can't, unless one day she comes to me and says, hey, I want to go on record. Cool. But I can't make her do it. Right. So it is what it is. At least there's somebody else who says he's actually read the book and seen it. I know they probably think I'm probably lying as well to back you, but I'm not. Like, I have. Yeah. And if anything, it just tied everything that I think with all of what I'm saying now together. And it was awesome from that perspective of a non-Christian, completely opposite end of it for it to tie in and mm -hmm. even the verbiage yeah. to be what we use. So let me ask this. Can you... Can you speak to, with this knowledge, did it change her from what she was? To, She's still a witch. She's still a witch. So if, if what you're saying is so empowering to what we've been talking about here all night, mm -hmm. 
why has that not uh why has that not changed well, i mean same, for i same, know you don't yeah, know no i mean i would say you, for this can you for speak the, to it or? for the same reason that it, there there's there's tons of people that have access to the information that we have and they're not on the same team as us it's about perspectives and uh you know it, she she's not a witch because of this she she was a witch before it. before it yeah and so uh you know it's all about perspectives and so her her perspective her worldview isn't from a Christian ta- standpoint. Uh, so she, views- but I guess, I guess, do you get what I'm saying with that kind of information? Wouldn't that just be an instantaneous? <laughs> I'm on the other team now. No, not from me reading it and understanding that perspective. It's, it's, it's not because it goes back to that deception piece too. Cause, cause her, her, her definition her, uh, the way she perceives what she's been through with the information she knows, her perception is not even from the same, it's not even remotely from the same starting point that Joel and I have. And so, so it's All just, right. she, I, I get, I get you what know what I'm saying? saying? Like, yeah. like she just, she like, and I, I mean, I've talked, like I've spoken with her for hours and she just, she, she's just not from the same, like, She's just not from the same perspective. And, um, and so, you know, you know, I, that's why I, 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 I just, I just talk to people, you know? Yeah. And, um, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to say anything that you don't want to say. I don't no, get me wrong. No, no, no. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm you're saying to, it in a great way. No, I get yeah. where you're coming from yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's, uh, on her own path. You know, cause I, you know, I said to you last night, you know, it's like, you know, we were talking about uh, what judgment day or whatever. And, you know, when I'm standing in front and of him and he's like, you coming, or you going, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, <laughs> I knew it, dude, I'm, I'm packed. Let's go. I'm going, um, you know, that that's, but to have that kind of information and, and I understand that she, she, her, her life up until that point that she got that information, her life was based on being a witch and, and her beliefs. And I believe I'm not a hundred percent on that, but you know, I believe it. I like you would, you would think that let's just put it this way, that her involvement with this whole thing was active mm-hmm. and it was on a spiritual realm in the sense of like, let's just put this in the most simplistic ways. Uh, she, she has told me, she was in charge of closing portals after things went through. So that alone is... I got a question I'll ask you after. <laughs> is witchcraft. And yeah. so uh, it's... Unless she was taught how to do it for this specific reason, which is very possible. Uh, but uh, either way, today, her running from this stuff, she still is a witch. Like, she still does witchcraft. So... Does you she know. still actively close portals if she runs into? All right. Yeah, I would just say this, and this is again not giving anything away, but this is perspective of the book is from a different perspective. And but it aligns. Yeah. It's like if you took two stories about the same thing, mm-hmm. but from two different angles. So I'm telling it from this side and you get the side taking it from that side and but we're talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's what this book was. To me, it literally put the glue to all these pieces. It started like bringing them together. Like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Very good. There you go. Very much so. Because what I needed was that. 
that other side, that other like confirmation where it was like, yep, yep, yep. What I'm saying, yep, yep, there it is. That's my line. And yeah, I just stole it. (laughs) But it's true. And this is where this whole portal babies thing goes to. And I think we should move into what happened Mm -hmm. yesterday because I have pretty much ended how I think in this portal baby theory of the elites need an army for the end times. They are working on Chimera as well. We know that. I think you're going to start seeing all of the weird Mm -hmm. cryptids and weird animals that were part of these armies because you know you, you see the weird uh paintings and weird stuff of them riding dragons and riding these mystical beasts mm-hmm. that stuff exists in this other place too they, they're working on a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and when it happens it will be that's why this soft disclosure that's why this fantasy world that they're putting out in movies and media is so heavy right now. I'm going to tell you something um, with what you've brought up and what I'm working on. I think we might be on the front lines of the counter to the deception of what's going to be laid out very soon. I think what we are connecting... Good job, Eric. (laughs) I think what we are connecting dots to is going to be the front lines to the opposing force of what is going to be rolled out to be accepted. Absolutely. And I don't say that lightly because I don't think I'm that special. But for whatever reason... God uses broken instruments all the time. For whatever reason... And why isn't he using Justin more? Because he's working on spare parts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this this is this is something that uh, I believe wholehearted. I, let me put it this way: this is something that is going to challenge almost every single human being's perspective, no matter where you come from in life. And I believe that it is going to. It is going to be something that will make or break you. But I think it's going to make a lot of people because of the information that is going to be thrown out there to the world. Mm -hmm. There's going to need to be a counter to that, a counter understanding to that. And I think that this is going to be that because we're literally saying the same thing that is going to be said, only... (laughs) from the different perspective. I know that's like way coded, but I hope, I hope people understand that um, I really, really believe what this story is and what we're working on with what you're talking about, uh, with what I'm doing. I wholeheartedly believe in it. And it does not, what we were talking about last night, guys, like it doesn't, it doesn't change one iota of my foundation and my faith at all. Strengthens it for me. Way much. Very much strengthens. 
it's going to shake some Christians because they're 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 going to come at it in in the wrong light with the wrong lenses. But if they can just shift their lenses, their perspective a little bit, and understand they are they are spiritual beings living in a super super supernatural world. Mm-hmm. If they can get that through their head, that their faith is not just going to church on a Sunday and drinking lattes in the lobby, that this is, that this is for real. And if you start reading that Old Testament of yours, don't worry about what I'm talking about. Just read the Old Testament and you start taking it for what it says. Then when you come to the table of what we're going to be pitching, you're going to be like, oh, <laughs> it's all going to fall in line together. I really believe that. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I I, we're always that. open to being wrong. I just, I'm telling you, there's been so much that's lined up with this. Yeah. And I think we want to shift years into more confirmation of getting closer to the truth. What happened to all of us Every single one of us at this table had weird stuff happen. Including Christian over there. Yes. Had this had stuff happen yesterday on the way here, here, later, leading up to us getting to this table right now. I remember Eric saying at one point to me, like, I feel like something's like trying to hold me back from getting there. So I think uh, with this transition, what we should do is have Joel, Justin, and Jay talk about what they saw coming down here. And then Eric say what he saw because he saw a little more than what you guys Mm -hmm. saw. And then we can go from there. Sure. So go ahead, Justin, since you've been quiet this last four hours. I know people are going to think I don't talk. Yeah. <laughs> Boy talks. Yeah, that's quite the opposite. All the time. He this never just... shuts up. <laughs> it's a little more out of my normal wheelhouse. But, uh, so we were at the Lexington exit. Uh, and everybody will know, I love the organic UFO stuff, so we make jokes about it all the time. Uh, but we're at the Lexington exit. I had just woke Jay up. Jay had been sleeping for like an hour. Because uh, we were just switched off drivers and stuff. But I'm like, oh, I want to show you where Crypticon is, you know, because we're going next month. I'm going to try to meet you there. Yeah, it's going to be a ball. I know. But I'm just you like, coming I, here. I want to do that. Okay. But I'm just like, you know, I want to show Jay. So I wake him up. He's like, yep, oh, there's Crypticon. And did you see it first or did I see it first? Yeah. There's it's pure blue sky. Nothing out there. So it's this one little cloud. And I think Jay made the joke, well, there's your, you know, there's your mushroom disguising as a cloud. I'm like, nope, that's the manta ray. And, but it was weird because it's like, it was just out of nowhere. And then we, st- we dropped it. It's gone. Stop talking about it instantly. Just, you know, out of our heads. That was that experience for us. Yeah. That's wild. And the only reason why we're even talking about <laughs> clouds yeah. is because... <laughs> Uh, of what happened with Eric. So go ahead, Joel, and talk about what yeah. you saw. So I left uh, around the same time everybody else did. Well, I'll say, you know, Justin and Jay left earlier than all of us because they drew they drove a little further. Um, I left. I'm only like four, a little over four hours away. So I was going to get here first. It was inevitable. 
Um, I'm driving down probably about two hours in and I look up at the sky and there's just one cloud. It, 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 it struck me as odd because I'm looking around and there's no other clouds to the left, right, nothing at all. And now we talked about this today and I told Christian about this earlier and I didn't know if I told you about this yet, Tony. You know, when you asked us all to draw what we saw without looking at each other. Yeah. We all drew the same thing. And I want to make that clear to everybody that's listening. We all drew the same cloud. When you lined them up, you lined them all up and you showed us and you're like, oh man, they all look the same. There was one difference with mine than everyone else's. Mine was upside down. It was the same cloud, but it was upside down. So the rounded piece that to me looked very crisp, it even looked like it kind of came out of the cloud a little bit, almost in that typical UFO shape, but then the top was where you would normally see the, the bottom of the cloud. And I remember thinking that that was weird. When I saw it, it kind of looks like an upside, in my mind, like just their typical cloud. Not that clouds are upside down. Clouds can look any kind of way. But it was weird to me that the bottom was so crisp and clean. Like, I don't know, like it was made, man-made or whatever. Just, it didn't look like a cloud. Like it was designed. Like it was designed. Thank you. But that came up today and I told Christian, he's like, what? And then I told Justin that too. I was like, I saw what you guys saw. But what was funny is I drew it upside down. When I handed it to you, you lined them all up where they were all looking the same direction. And they all looked the same. But mine was actually upside down. So when I saw what they saw, it was in a different position. That's interesting. So. What you're saying is what you saw was in a different position, but when I lined everything up because I didn't see what everybody saw, I looked at it and I saw everything the same and I, I turned yours technically upside down from what you saw mm -hmm. because it matched that way to everybody else. Well, I never told you. I just handed it right, to you. Right, right. That's interesting. That's really interesting. So that was... Go ahead. I was just going to say, the other thing is you've seen it two hours before us. Before them. Because I was in the zone where they were at two hours before. Mm-hmm. They're crossing around the same area while I'm already here. Mm -hmm. Same thing, though. Nothing in the sky but this one cloud. But this time, it's in a, it's flipped. But it's the same cloud in the same space above them. Which is interesting that that's the case because it, it actually shows activity leading into Eric's experience. Yep. Because Eric's experience had a lot of activity. <laughs> <laughs> little freak alright so you're gonna hear a lot from me here so bear with me and and there's a lot of components to this so I'm gonna start with um, my son was supposed to be able to make this trip with me um, it wasn't up until about the middle of the week maybe Tuesday where he wasn't able to get the day off Friday, which was my travel day down here. So I gave him the option. I was like, dude, if you want, he's got a two hour drive to get to me. If you want to come with me, I will wait for you. I will forgo staying at the Airbnb on Friday night. We'll leave in the middle of the night. We'll get down there in time to do the recording. 
because he's into all this stuff as, as much as I am. And he got sick and he didn't have any time off of work. So he had to work this whole week while being sick. And I finally said, dude, just when you get out of work, get to the house, you stay there, take care of the dogs and, and I'll make the trek myself. Because the goal was to have somebody split a seven and a half to eight hour drive on the way down here. So that's one component that didn't really even hit me until today. So I left the house, South Bend, Indiana. I left the house at 10, 10 a.m. Eastern time. I drove to a local gas station. I filled up. I grabbed a couple of uh, Red Bulls and I hit the road. I immediately get a phone call from Joel. I believe it was, if, if my, I looked at my phone, I think it was 1023 mm-hmm. that, that Joel calls me. We have a brief, brief discussion. Hey, are you on the road? Yeah. What time's it saying you're going to be there? And my phone is saying that I should be here at about 7.05 to 7.15, somewhere around there, p.m. Eastern time. So, you know, I'm making the drive. Everything's going good. And I'm, I'm looking at, you know, an eight-hour drive. A couple of stops for gas. No big shakes. Well, I get through Indiana. And I'm a fairly bright guy. I don't remember. I don't remember being in the area of Indianapolis, you know, and I'm, I'm going alongside of it. I'm not going through the middle of it, but I'm going alongside of it. Um, and then I find myself in Kentucky. Now, I'm not saying I don't remember how I got there. That's not what I'm getting at. But it it just kind of came up kind of quick. There's a couple of phone calls back and forth. I think you called me once more. I talked to Jay and Jason or Jay and Justin at, at some point. Jason. Jason. <laughs> I'm going to kick you um, tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um. So they pinpoint me at, at this traffic holdup, which on my GPS is showing like 22 minutes that it's going to slow me down. And you guys, so Joel went through that area and I can remember I'm sitting very near the, the water tower in Lexington, right? Joel has been there two hours before you guys were. Mm-hmm. You guys were there literally two hours. Holy shit. Joel, what did I tell you? When we were sitting out in the front and they were doing their thing with the cryptids, what did I tell you? What number did I tell you was going to be two, two, two? Give me a minute here. <laughs> Elevator music cued. <laughs> two, two, two. Two hours before, two hours before. Two, 
okay. So the story behind that is there were, there were a couple of people who knew where I was going and ultimately why I was coming down here. Why ultimately why all of us were coming down here. And I was, I was extremely forthright about what the discussion was going to be about and, and why, because of all the electronic interference. And I think we all had agreed upon before we got to this point that there was something of a, a spiritual nature going on. So one person in particular that I'm, I'm very close with who lives in California, she sends me a text message while you're in your group with the cryptids of the corn here earlier before this podcast recording your deal. And she sends me two, two, two. She says it'll become apparent. It just became apparent. Hmm. I can show you the text. I'm not bullshitting you. He did say this. So this is something that we talked about before where you guys were recording earlier for Crypto's episode coming up. By the way, it's going to be dope. But yes, we did talk about it. He brought it up to me and said that this was texting me. This is said it's going to be apparent what this means. And, you know, I mean, bear with me, folks, here, because I'm going to pull that text up because she also included a... It's right there, dude. Mm-hmm. Two, two, two. There was no explanation to it. It just came up two, two, two. Then she sends this like guide as far as what the numbers mean. Two, two, two. Stop worrying. Everything is working out just as it was supposed to. Trust that you are on the right path, the right place, the right time. Trust in what you want. Don't think of things you don't want. When you see this number, I don't know what the hell that means. Anyway, so I'm at the water tower in Lexington on the highway and traffic has slowed to a stop and I am just kind of grooving. I'm not listening to music. I'm not listening to podcasts. I am, I am in my head and just kind of, I don't get I don't get an, a, a lot of time to just kind of zone out. Exist. <laughs> and I'm looking out the window and I'm looking out my driver's side window and it is just the most serene blue sky. Not a freaking cloud in the sky. I'm looking out my driver's side window and I'm looking across my windshield and there's the water tower and, and I look and there's this cloud a little cloud i mean in the vastness of the sky this was like agreed just and i was this is agree- like a little cotton confirm. ball yes like a little cotton ball you know um way up there and again this is a this is a cloud theoretically that was seen by everybody but two hours apart yes. individually justin yeah. two hours later joel two hours later you and i'm watching this cloud and i was like I'm like in my head, I'm making up this like little allegory story that it's like, oh, the poor little bastard got left behind. You know, everybody, he's looking for Some the Bob rest Ross of his, stuff. Happy little <laughs> cloud. He's looking for the rest of his family. Where'd they all go? 
And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sitting there and, and traffic's not moving and, and I, I go back to it and it's still there and it doesn't seem, I, I, I remember looking at the trees off to the, the left-hand side and the leaves were moving. I, you know, there was some, there was some wind moving Yeah, it was windy day, so. and, uh, and I look back and, and that, that cloud is still there and it just, it, it struck me just in its uniqueness that it's the only thing in the sky there. And as I'm watching it, it starts to change and it's like not morphing. It's just like a natural wisping of the cloud. And it kind of starts to get similar to what Joel said. It starts to get a tail that kind of comes off of the left-hand side of the cloud and starts to kind of sweep underneath it in, in an arcing fashion. <coughs> and, but it continues and a part of it breaks off. And the only thing I can really associate it, you know, like maybe a tadpole, but in my head, I was thinking of the yin and yang symbol, you know, how the, the shape of the two little tadpole looking things interconnect, mm -hmm. but it's like one of those broke away from the cloud. And it moved in a counterclockwise direction underneath to the bottom of the cloud. But as it's doing it, there's another coming out. And it continued to go in a counterclockwise direction. And then the remaining part of the cloud turns into the same shape. So I'm sitting there and I'm now looking at what was one little cotton ball of a cloud. And now it's something kind of reminiscent of the recycling logo, you know, where it has the, but they're shaped like a tadpole or, you know, a short tailed sperm. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, it was like a, a bulbous head with a, a thin tail at the end. And I just, I was like, what the hell am I seeing here? You know, and I'm not saying it was a UFO. I'm not saying it was, I, I don't know what the hell it was. All I know is that it made three distinctive shapes that were all reminiscent of each other. Now, they were not perfect shapes. There were jagged edges around them. They were not perfect. It was, it was still cloudish looking material that took on this shape. So, I mean, it was weird and traffic starts moving again. And, you know, I ran into five different traffic jams, each one of them in the neighborhood of 20, 22, 25 minutes long. Mm -hmm. You know, some of them were dead stops. Some of them were just very slow. And uh, bless you. Excuse me. So I'm like, I find myself, I'm like four hours into the trip and someone, this, this person that sent me the two, 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 um, sent me a text message as well saying for whatever reason, I'm getting this. Don't, don't let your car get below half tank. So I get to Bucky's truck stop and I pull in to get gas. I'm just 
barely under a half tank. I pull in at seven, seven o'clock on the dot. I was supposed to be here at seven, here at about seven fifteen, seven thirty, seven twelve. You know, so I'm, I'm thinking I'm close. I fill up with gas. I'm, I'm like bizarrely looking at how huge this gas station was. I've never seen so many rows of gas pumps in my life. I pull around after I fill up, I run into the store, I go to the bathroom, I grab a brisket sandwich off of the the counter, I pay for it, I get in the car, I pull around to the side of the building, I wolf it down in no time flat, and then I'm back on the road. This is where things start really getting ramped up. So let's, I got another traffic jam. I think there were four, there were five in total on the way down. I get, I get to around 730. Somebody that, somebody else that knew that I was on the road somebody that I'm, I'm, I'm good friends with who is in Louisiana, another person who knew where I was going and why I was going there. I had been having a conversation at times. I shouldn't say this, but I was texting. Uh, there was a phone call just before I pulled into the, the gas station and I checked my phone log and that ended at seven o'clock. Once I got back on, I got a phone call from the same person and I went to answer it and my phone would not react to the touch of my finger to answer the call. And then it came through again, another call, same person. My phone would not answer. I could not get my finger to react. I was using different fingers and it was not reacting to answer that fault, you know, to slide it over to answer the call. She calls a third time. Can't answer the call. And I sent a text that said, I'm okay. And then I get a text from Tony that says, hey, Tell your listeners I'm not your, <laughs> yeah. not your what go between or something. I, I said I said I sent a picture of it and I said tell your friends I'm not your middle middleman fetch boy sucker. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? And then the phone's ringing, and it's Joel, and Joel tells me that. Hey, are you okay? Because somebody's messaging Tony through his Instagram that you did you see that Joel on my Instagram? I did. Okay, all right. That you went that Erica went off the grid, and then I still you read me the the message, but this person says that she says check on Eric. The last time I heard from him. He was pulling into a Bucky's in Kentucky. Time loss phenomenon has been directly linked to Bucky's truck stops. 
And I'm like, what in the hell are you talking about? You know, and then it, I, I end up getting a hold of you. Yeah. And I'm like, I, and I, I throw a name out to you and you're like, yeah, that's, that's her. And I'm like, I tried to answer, I don't think I said this to you, but I'm thinking to myself, I tried to answer those calls. I even sent a text message that I was okay because knowing that, you know, I didn't answer those calls. And I had said we would start talking again after I got back on the road. Then I get a message from a, a listener who is out in Oregon of all places, you know, a couple thousand miles away. And, you know, I still got, now I'm looking at, you know, closer to eight thirty, eight forty-five, nine o'clock before I'm getting here. And, you know, it's, it's hitting me that it's taken a long time, but I'm thinking, you know, well, I've had some traffic jams, but it's like, it still only adds up to 20, 40, 60, you know, like maybe an hour and a half at the most, even with the two gas stops. And that doesn't make sense. You know, that 715 puts me in at 845. And so she says, can I call you? And I said, sure. You know, I still got a ways to go and I'm tired of not talking to anybody. So her call, I can answer. And we start having a conversation and while I'm talking to her, she says this, this SLS ghost app that I have on my phone just opened up while I'm talking to you for no reason. And the phone rings another line coming through and it's Joel. And I said, Hey, listen, dear, I gotta, I gotta take this call. Cause it's people that are waiting on me. So I answered over to Joel and Joel's like, dude, what are you doing? Stuff is starting to ramp up here already. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, the power just went out at the Airbnb. And he's like, Jason, or God, now I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, we do Just, like you, Justin. We Justin, do like you. We, we Jason, care. We care Jason. about you. Justin went outside, and it's not the whole neighborhood. It's just the the Airbnb and three houses around it, directly beside it. The power is out, which we'll get to here in a minute. What happened on Iron with that? Yeah. And he's. I'm going to let him go into the significance of the power outage at yeah. the Airbnb. So. I'm on the road. I'm talking to this woman. I had to hang up with her. Joe calls and we got this weirdness going on. I don't realize that during the call with Joel, she, that woman in Oregon sends me a text message. And the text message was, um, let me find it here. Jeez, Eric, be prepared, man. Like we're recording. What the heck? Dead air? Now I got to do sarcastic talking while you freaking look on your phone. <laughs> says, anyway, says something to the extent of that after she got off the phone with me, she opened that app and scanned her room with the SLS. And it showed a green stick figure standing in front of her in her room. And she felt the need to tell me that she felt that it was there because of me or for me is what she said for me. 
Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, Joel, you talk about why the power going out was so significant. Did 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 we did, hold on a second? Are we going to talk about the? I mean, maybe maybe I'm missing it. Maybe we did reference it. The, the idea of the law, the the time significance here. I think you well, should well, tell that before yeah. I get to this. All right. So the power is out at the Airbnb. I'm getting phone calls from multiple people. I got a woman in Oregon who's telling me that a ghost app opened up on her phone while she was talking to me and feels the need to relay to me that the message is that that ghost was there for me. Um, I managed to get a message to the, the friend in Louisiana that I was okay. And I was now looking at 9.34 as an arrival time. So I pull in, I have a conversation with you and I'm about 10 minutes away from there, Airbnb. You tell me you're going to be there. Tony, yeah. Tony tells me he's going to be there like, like minutes after I am. I pull into the driveway of the Airbnb and everybody comes out to meet me and tells me that like seconds before I pulled into the driveway, the power came back on. And, you know, I, I realized that I'm running late, right? But it wasn't until you came in and we had, what did we talk for three and a half, four hours? I mean, I left, we left Christian. What did we leave? Like two 30, two 30 in the morning, you know? And I told you, or I told somebody that I didn't, I didn't lay down. I didn't lay my head down till like three 30 because we all went out and sat, sat in the hot tub after you left. And I all was, our life. I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to de decompress on this, but one of the last things that you said before you left, because I kept saying that, you know, I was a couple hours late. It didn't dawn on me until you said it, that my, the time I left South Bend was essentially 1030 in the morning. And I rolled in at 934. That was 11 hours that it took me to do an eight hour trip with two stops. I didn't stop for food at any other place. I got my food at the gas stations that I was at. And those two gas station stops, including taking a whiz, total between the two of them could not have taken more than 30 minutes. Could not have. I don't have any recollection of not knowing where I'm at. I didn't, I didn't make any turns that, you know, I had a detour and, you know, go a half hour out of the way before I could get back onto the highway. It was a simple drive. My GPS was working the whole time and I'm on the road for 11 hours to make an eight hour drive. Makes and, perfect sense. <laughs> and people are reaching out from two other states <coughs> that know me in a, in a capacity that is not like somebody that I, I live with or a family member or something like that. It, it's all just freaking bizarre. And then, 
you know, I, I find out during the phone call with Joel, why there's a significance to the power outage, but I'm going to go ahead and let him tell you what it was. Yeah. Justin and I will probably tell us together. So yeah. we'll definitely tell both our perspectives on this. So when I, I got in town early or than everybody else, I went straight to the Airbnb, dropped most of my stuff off there. Christian and Tony were here at the studio. So I said, well, I'm going to roll through the studio and kind of map out today, which we're on right now, and just kind of hang out, whatever. So I have an important interview for Kill the Mockingbirds with Ellie Marzulli. And a lot of people know who Ellie Marzulli is, especially when it comes to Nephilim. He's an expert. He's, you know, world-renowned. Um, you know, I'm excited not only because, you know, I've read LA's books, but I wanted to talk to him about a specific subject and get into some things about my theories um, and just ask him some questions that maybe it could help shed some light on what, you know, I'm looking into as well. So pretty excited, you know, Sean and I, we've had this book for a couple months now and we're, you know, I'm going to go back to the Airbnb. I brought my equipment. Um, Sean's in Michigan. He's not here. Let, let me just jump in real quick because I knew from a previous conversation that you were going to do an interview while you were at the Airbnb and I knew that you were going to be going on at eight o'clock. Correct. So that I, I knew that. Right. So I get, I leave here about seven from Tony and Christian and I told them, Hey, I got this interview. Tony's like, hey, maybe we'll stop by later and hang out with you guys. He's like, cool. I was like, it's probably be about an hour. I was like, it won't be a super long interview, but I want to talk about something specific with him that he's delved into that a lot of people don't ask him about. So I get back. I set up all my equipment. I'm kind of ready to go. It's not going to start till 8, though. So I hear Justin and Jay getting there probably about 30 minutes before. 7.30ish. About yeah. 7.30. So I pop out there, start talking to them. We're having a good time. We didn't talk about anything deep. We were just like, hey, how you doing? Hot tub's going to be nice later. You know, the normal BS that people do. And Jay had to go to the restroom. And let's just say it's the <laughs> sit-down version. So he had to go to the restroom. Yeah. And uh, Justin and I are having a conversation right outside of the door to, to my room. Now, my room's got a, a, like a sitting area, study area as well. It's like two rooms. Mm -hmm. So the significance of that is I've got it set up in the one room for me to do the interview. Everything's set up. It's ready to go. Not, I'm not having any issues. Internet connectability's fine. I already talked to Sean. He's ready to go. I'm talking to Justin and we're talking, we're nearing up on about 758. Mm -hmm. And that, I look... That is a significant number. It is significant. I look at Justin and I say, man, I'm really excited about tomorrow. I've got all of my stuff laid out for this Portal Baby interview. I can't wait to talk to LA in a little bit. I'm going to have him delve into the angelic wars on Mars. And maybe I'm going to have some more things to add to my interview tomorrow. As soon as those words go out of my mouth, power shuts down. 
just in the four houses, the house we're in and three other houses just in the small little zone because the houses directly across the street did not lose power. None of those houses did. There's tons of houses. If you walk out, it was fine. Huge cul-de-sac full of houses. Houses, if you look the other way, still have their lights on. Just shut down. So, oh my God, like, of course, like, what is going on? So, Justin starts looking at me. He's like, oh my God, here we go again. Thanks, Joel. He did say that. Go sleep in the car. Yeah, he did say he's going to sleep in the car. Oh, man. Now, this is significant because Jay is still sitting down in the bathroom, not knowing what's going on (laughs) in the dark, by the way. So, oddly enough, the internet was still on at that moment. Even you mentioned it. This I, is weird. I was like, yeah, it's 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 super weird because it's it's still flashing green. It's you know it's fine. And it, yeah, it was it was very odd to me that everything else was without power, including things on that outlet, and it was still going. It was still going good. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to try to do this interview in the dark. I turn the flashlight on my phone to give myself a little light, and I open up you know my laptop. I get into Riverside FM. Immediately jump in. There's LA. There's Sean. And I start talking. Sean starts talking to me. LA can't hear either of us. Now, this is significant because Sean is in Michigan. Mm-hmm. It would make sense if LA couldn't hear me because I'm having technical issues. Sean's not having any technical issues at all. But we can hear LA, but he can't hear us at all. And he keeps going, I can't hear you. What's going on? While that's happening, the internet then shuts down. So now, like, what is going on here? So I jump out. I'm like, the internet's now. Now I don't even know what to do. So then I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go to like Plan C. I'm gonna use the hotspot on my phone and try to link up to that. At least I have some sort of internet service because the phone's working fine. Five G is fine. So I hook up the hotspot. I'll link back in. There's LA. There's Sean. Same thing. He can't hear us. He hears us in a muffled, like we're screaming down a tunnel. I'm in the other room and I can I can hear you yelling to talk to him. Correct. LA. Yeah. And why are you yelling at me, son? So he <laughs> he's super nice and he sees it's not working out. We all see it's not working out. Sean's talking to me like we're talking right here. We can we see each other, we're talking to each other, we can hear each other perfectly. Sean's like, man, I don't know what's going on. And you can just see LA looking around and he's like, I can hear you. It's like you're screaming down the hallway. So I start yelling louder and I'm apologizing. I'm like, look, man, I'm going to be honest with you. This is like the fourth time in a row that something's happened when I'm dealing with this stuff. So LA, without even blinking, just kind of looks at me. He's like, yeah, it's kind of normal when you're dealing with this stuff. He's like, I've had it happen a good bit. So he's had this happen. Because this is the subject matter he deals with all the time. I mean, he deals with Nephilim all the time. Matter of fact, he told me that National Geographic has come out with a documentary disproving giants. That's one of them. History Channel, whatever. I, I, I could be wrong. But he, of which network that did it. But he brought that up. And then he kind of went on a rant about free speech, which I was loving. And then um, he's like, look, just hit me up. We'll try to reschedule next week. I'm disappointed because I'm wanting to get some of this before I come in here today. But it with all that happening, he gets off and I'm talking to Sean still. I'm like, Sean, like, what's going on? And up, I'm on the hot spot talking to him like everything's fine. 
And he's like, man, I don't know. Even Sean's shaking his head at this point because he knows all the stories leading up to it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, he's like, I would say that this is BS if I was on the outside, if it didn't happen to me too. He's like, it doesn't make sense that I'm getting, that he can't hear me too because my connect, everything's fine on my end. It's been fine. But he said, as soon as I got in, he couldn't hear me either. So he was already having technical issues, which was really, really weird. So I get out of there. I go to Justin. I'm going to let Justin pick it up because he Jason, got a hold of the people that ran the Airbnb because they're not there mm-hmm. to find out what's going on. This is when we found out it was four houses and a little more detail. Yeah, no, I just, I got a hold of them. And I mean, that's pretty much it is it's like, they're like, well, we're not, we're not here. We have a house sitter upstairs. That poor girl. Cause it's pitch black. There's strange men in the bottom ha- part of the house screaming about Nephilim. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know there was a girl upstairs. Yes. <laughs> poor thing. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So I'm sure she was not having a good night. Well, and I'm screaming too, like I do, because now I'm getting jacked again. Oh yeah. So I told y'all the Nephilim baby. Oh like, my gosh. Yeah. I was like w- when everything shut down in here and we found out and you were like pissed off and I was jumping up and down. It was the same thing. Yeah. I figured. But yeah. Justin's yeah. like, I just need to leave now. <laughs> Pretty much. But anyway, so I got a hold of them. They're like, uh, we don't understand, you know. Uh, and I, so I walked outside and it was literally the house to the right, house to the left, and the house behind. And there were everybody else had power. And it was just getting weird. And then they stopped getting my messages. My phone was probably messed up. But it was just weird. It was just instantly once you started talking about that, the power went out. And Jay, though, has a special thing. At the same time, what happened at home? My power went out. You're giving the mic. My power went out at home in Ohio. Yeah. At what time? Eight o'clock is what I was told. Literally got a text saying at eight o'clock. Hey, power was out at the house. So I'm going to go back to the significance of 758 with Joel getting ready to go on with LA. I went back and looked at my call log and the woman for, from Oregon that I was speaking with that had the ghost app open up and have a figure standing in front of her. That call ended at 758 her text message to me that there was a figure standing in front of her came minutes after that. So in that 7.58 to 8 o'clock, Jay's got power shut down back in Ohio. The power shuts down on us right when I'm talking to him. Listen, we didn't say a word about Nephilim or Poro Babies or Grays or Meat Sacks uh, at all. Before then, we were talking about just very vanilla conversation. Hi, how are you? Yeah, laughing it up. Mm-hmm. It's when that happened. And then multitude of things happen on all fronts. And then somebody over 2,000 miles away has a ghost app that recognizes that there's some, you know, it's an app on a phone. Is it is it legitimate technology? Who the hell knows? But the weirdness of that happening at the same time that power goes out while talking about the same things that we've been talking about forever with this whole this whole the whole reason we're here and then jay's got the same issue happen at eight o'clock and i roll in at nine thirty, and you 
basically bring the attention to the fact that it took me 11 hours to make an eight hour drive. Yeah, I was uh, doing some math. I was like, wait a second. It's not ad- So I didn't tell you guys what happened to me at eight o'clock. Shut up. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, dude, the things did happen to me at the at the house. So let's get into that. Do you want to get into yeah, that? Yeah, let's go. You and uh, Christian, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Christian, come on over here and uh, steal, I guess. Oh, at the Airbnb. Yeah, you can steal at the Airbnb. Yeah. yeah I thought yeah. you were going to say that something happened to you at the house, at your house. No, nothing happens okay. at my All house. Right. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm like straight up protected. I'm untouchable, essentially. Um, <laughs> I believe that. Um, so we're at the Airbnb and um, we, we, we were already settled in. Uh, we had some Bigfoot brownies. <laughs> But normal Bigfoot brownies. Yeah, the, yeah. Not special. We made sure they weren't spiked. <laughs> um, but we're chopping it up and having a good time and getting to know each other because this is my first time actually in person meeting Cryptids of the Corn and Eric. And um, I don't remember how we got on the topic, but the the as it often does with me when I'm in a group of friends conversation turns deep usually it it usually does um and eric you you brought up something and you questioned something and you know like i I could feel myself i was like you could i mean be honest you can you can talk about what it was no i I don't remember (laughs) i don't don't remember how it came all together you know like like you brought something up um it was it was basically about me and my questions as far as you know your your Christian belief mm-hmm. and and how steadfast you are, and we had reached the uh, the agreement that I believed in God and I believed in Christ, and you know my my belief that my my belief is the same as yours, but you know you went on to talk about how how the foundation uh, yeah was built and and all that. So. I, I just didn't I didn't remember how it all came up, but. I could feel myself gearing up because what you were saying, I was like, like, I was like, I had strong opinions about, mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't anything disrespectful. No, it no, was, it was no. It's, it's good, literally, it, it was a spirited conversation. Yeah. It's, it's literally the foundation of the Christian faith and people overcomplicate things. It's, it's literally, are you Christian? Uh, well, what is a qualifier to be a Christian that you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, son of a God. What does that entail? And you go, and we 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 went into it, right? Um, but I I I could feel myself getting like a little vamped up inside. I was like, okay, here we go. This can get long. Um, and at that moment, um, out of the corner of my eye, left side, I saw. Well, actually, see, this is where I I, I have a hard time saying this part because I I just hindsight, I just don't know. Because it happened all so fast, but in the moment, I felt what I know what I saw, but I think I also felt uh, something touch the back of my neck, like like sweep by the back of my neck. And at that very same moment, I did see out of the corner of my eye something white moving in the direction of my line of sight, not out, and towards Eric, and then. It, it was just instantaneous. Boom. It wasn't like slow. It happened very fast. And, um, and I was like, what the, what the heck? He, and, he and, literally, and, he literally jumped. 
Yeah. He was kind of in a slouched over position, leaning against the arm of the couch. And, you know, I mean, it was late. We, we were all tired and, and you literally popped up. Yeah. And you were rubbing your hand on your neck and you were like, what the hell was that? Yeah. And so, uh, at that moment, you and I are having this conversation. Joel's drifting between our conversation. No, you were engaged in this conversation, actually, Joel. But uh, Cryptid Boys and uh, and uh, Christian were having their own conversation in the same room. So there's two different loud conversations going. And I, I kind of popped up and I was like, what the heck? And you guys are having your conversation. And you acknowledged, but like it was just like, eh, whatever. Because like in these like like in these kind of moments when that kind of stuff happens, I tend to just be like meh, whatever. I had a freaking dog man walking in my house, and I was like, you "Ready to go to bed, babe?" Like literally straight up, that's what happened. Uh, so like we um, we carry on our conversation, and from there it got very deep. That was like right when I was about to start mm-hmm. ripping in. I, it, it got deep for hours, but in that process, uh, I don't remember how. I don't know how it all kind of came together for Christian and the Cryptid Boys, uh, because at some point we're all in the same conversation, uh, and I, I I wasn't focused on you guys, but I do remember I, I hearing Justin going, "Uh huh, uh huh." I'm like, "Oh, Justin's agreeing with my my perspectives. That's cool, you know." Um, but then we brought it up again, and that's when Christian chimed in. <laughs> I said, you saw that too. I saw it before you. Mm -hmm. I was, there's that couch, uh, that seat that was closest to the door when you come in. And it was pushed behind the back of the couch to where if I'm, you know, 45 degrees trying to keep an eye on both conversations, my left eye can see the space behind that couch. I know that in the corner of my left eye, I saw left to right something white. I told you it was, it looked like it was the size of a golf ball. It was obviously lit and it just moves left to right. And it was too fast for me to see if it went room to room. If it was, it was obviously somewhere past you, but you said something about seeing something. And, and I remember, I remember when, when I reacted at first, you were looking at me, but then we just never talked about it. So you, we, you went back to your conversation. I didn't know what happened. Yeah. I saw you get up and I was like, oh, Tony doesn't like bugs. There's a bug on him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's true. And then <laughs> later you, you, you were like, I don't know what I saw. And I point, I go, was it right there? And you said it was the exact same place that I saw it. Mm-hmm. And, and then you said, was so, it white? Was and I was like, white? yes, it was white. <laughs> Something just touched my hand. Really? And this is after. <sighs> Ooh. I mean, three weeks ago. Explain. I literally like look to see if Jay had, you know, because they're all touchy feely. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> I thought. It felt like a, a finger like run across the. Sorry, Christian. Oh <laughs> go, no! Go ahead. Funny. Like, I'm just so happy that Tony finally had an experience because Joel, <laughs> you and I saw something in Kentucky. Tony felt completely left out. It, we and were just in Indiana together. We were just in Indiana in Illinois, driving back at like midnight, one o'clock. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. end up seeing this really bright white light that's keep 
keeps flashing and it's from ground to sky, not from the sky to ground. There was a light that covered probably at least a half a mile from ground to sky beaming up. <laughs> I kid you not. Yeah. <laughs> And that's going to be significant in the next, the, the new podcast. <laughs> Very significant. And we were in someone's trailer. And so there were three people. You don't have to know who they are. There were three people, a couple and their friend. In the middle of this interview, the friend's looking down this hallway. And he, he goes, am I crazy or do you guys have a shadow person in here? I'm like, okay, we've been talking about weird stuff all night. They're making themselves see things. But this couple, they go, oh, yeah, we had to rebuke something last Sunday. Like We got the, the oil out. We got the sage out. And I'm like, that's weird. I've never had that happen in an interview. Still not you know, fully believing it yet. A few minutes later, you see this cartoonish-like hand. I, I think Devin, sorry, I think, you know, I didn't know his name, but I think the couple's friend, and I both saw this movement. And to me, also saw it out of the corner of my left eye, looked exactly like a hand, and it was just 2D against the wall, gliding down like that. Wasn't scary. Wasn't freaky at all. I didn't know what I was seeing at the time. And then the friend goes, did you see that too? We get up with night vision cameras. Of course, Tony didn't see it. Yeah, and he's it. like begging to have an experience. <laughs> so I am, I'm like a proud dad that he finally got. <laughs> <laughs> he talks to all these people with crazy stories and he finally gets to have some experience. It's not I think insane. That, I, think, I think there's a level of uh, deafness that comes along with what I do just because I, I hear so many stories. So it's just like, I'm not sensitive to this kind of stuff in a sense that it's just like, I hear crazy stuff. So like, I just, I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it's all about, but for sure that that happened uh, at the Airbnb, whatever it was, Christian saw, and it went same direction, same location, and it went right towards E-Rock. And uh, I don't know what that's about. I don't know if it went into you and you're possessed right now. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I knew it. Give me that anointing oil again. By the way, by the way, let the record show. I mean, we're not done totally say, yet. But let the record show that we did. I, I so my good friend Derek, give a shout out to Derek. Um, he he uh came down from ten or uh, New York to Tennessee with his family for vacation a few weeks back. And uh he came over here and he, his dad's a pastor and he's highly involved in the ministry there, Pentecostals, and clearly after, after what I'm about to say. Uh, and he walked around my entire office and anointed it and oiled the doorways, the equipment. And uh, the one thing he forgot to anoint was the internet router. And literally like that week doing an interview, I had like internet failure for that, for that <laughs> router. And he's like, we didn't annoy the router. And so, you know, I obviously had annoyed the router, but today I took the same bottle he left with me and I, I anointed the equipment today. And, um, the way he explained to me, and I grew up Pentecostal, but I just didn't really understand that whole anointing stuff. And I've, I've been in church where anointing the oil on the forehead and all that stuff. Right. But 
He's like, it's not, there's nothing special about the oil. He's like, it's, it's more, uh, it, it, it's like the act of just a faith. Like it's marking, a physical representation. It, it's a physical of thing of just saying, Lord, this right here, protect this. And so I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so I, 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 I anointed the doorways. I anointed the equipment, even the computer out in the other room that I wasn't going to be using for this. I was like, I just anointed it all. And so I got, I got the, uh, and, and so far everything's been working pretty cool, which is, cool yeah man it actually we rolled through this and we're able to hit all the stuff that i wanted to hit for sure and i'm really glad you guys are a part of this um is is really cool being able to get everybody involved leading up to this point and honestly i don't think the work's done i think we're just getting started with where all this is going and and what we're going to learn going forward uh i'm I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. And I do believe what you said, Tony, too, about being on the front lines and certain people are, are geared for that. Um, I know you're going to have a hard time believing this, but I have questions. What? You? I, I have questions. About what? Why, why the need to delay me? I don't know. Because when everything, when you boil it all down, something something transpired that I couldn't get around. There's no good reason why I should have been as late as I was. Even if you take into the consideration five traffic stops at over, time slip, Jay over at over 20 minutes a piece, that still, that still only accounts for half of the time that I was late. There's, there's still another roughly 90 minutes that really isn't accounted for. And I don't have any periods of time that I don't feel that I was present in what I was doing as far as driving or, you know, mm. I mean, I was surprised when I, I was in Kentucky. I was like, no oh, shit. Well, how did that happen? What did I, you know, how did I get around the side of Indianapolis without realizing I was, beside Indianapolis, you know, and I could have just been zoned out driving, uh, understood. But I, by that last, with an hour left to go, I honestly felt that there was something at play that was delaying my arrival. So here's the thing. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't know. And what I say, just take it for just an immediate in the moment thought. Um, I'm already here. I'm in Tennessee. My studio's in Tennessee. I'm operating here. You guys are coming to me. Mm -hmm. And it seems like if something wanted to stop, it seems like, the, the, I don't necessarily believe what I'm about to say totally, but if something wanted to stop you guys or stop this from happening, it would make sense that you guys would have these experiences and not make, I'm already here. Right. The gear is already here. Mics are already set up here. Uh, that said, the reason why I said what I just said about not necessarily believing at all is because I am really leaning towards this idea that this technology failure, I get a sense, and I could be wrong, but I get a sense that this isn't as much of something trying to pull the plug on our machines to stop us from talking as much as 
we're talking about something that's drawing attention from these things. And we might be, by merely talking about it, bringing their presence into our presence. And we know that people talk about my batteries are drained when these entities, these these ghosts are coming in. My my camera battery is full and all of a sudden it's drained. Well, what happened at the Airbnb? The lights go out, four houses around you, not the whole block, just four houses. It's like something came and drained the energy, you know? And um I just I just have this this thought that maybe there there's it's more of I mean, I, maybe it's both. I don't know. But I just had this feeling that like we shouldn't overlook the fact that uh, like a, a biblical term being being a light on a hill, right? Mm-hmm. So like like what we're talking about maybe is turning on that lighter in the middle of a dark room and in that dark room is a bunch of creepy crawly things and you turn on that light and it's everything. They all just turn and look at you and they're like, oh, there you are. You know, and I, I don't know. I, I just um, I don't want to. I don't want to necessarily get boxed in with the idea that something is trying to stop this as much. It, it, it may be, but also it might be just we're attracting their presence by talking about it. And I'm, I'm going to agree with you on the on the fact that I don't think I, I, I think this is a this is a pay attention. Mm. This this isn't a let's shut it down. This is a pay attention. So I got to go back to something I said during Joel's monologue, monologue, (laughs) which is, are we dealing with something that is of the light and they are trying to either stop us because we are not speaking correctly. If we are, are we, are we putting something out there that is incorrect? Are we, are we dealing with something of the light? that is interrupting us so that it draws attention to, Hey, you need to listen to these guys because what they're saying is true. Or are we dealing with something on a negative side that is saying, we don't want this out. Given what I know, or are we dealing with something on a negative side that is saying, Let's draw attention to this because what they're saying is going to lead people away from what we're really doing. All that stuff is plausible. You know, I mean, All that, again, yeah, I, no, I got no, questions yeah, and I'm yeah. not asking you to answer. For I'm, sure. I, these are the things I'm putting out because whoever's listening to this. If you're a it's critical, their, if it's you're their a critical job thinker, to make up their own mind. Yeah. And that's what we've said millions of times. It's the listener's job to hear the rhetoric nonsense that we're spewing for the last four hours and you decide what you want to believe, if any of it. It's not my job to make you believe anything. That said, given what I know, not what I think, what I know, what he just said tonight matches up with a lot of things that I know is true. And so whether that's good or bad that he's talking about it, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is there's a lot of things that he said tonight. A lot of stuff actually I I learned tonight, especially when he's talking about Enoch. When he's talking about glorifying the when he's talking about Nephilim armies, 
other worlds, portal babies, baby. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. This is, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there is a war going on right now. It is something that I think exists in time and outside of time. It's happened, it's happening, and it will happen. And there's a reason why these things are being built up. Because I think we're about to see the grand finale. It's about to get real nuts. Real nuts. I really believe that. That's why I said in the be- it, it, earlier, I think we're on the front lines. I don't know why I have the information I have. I don't know why Joel and I were brought together by Mark for his music. <laughs> Shout out to wow. Mark. <laughs> but this stuff is just I think you got to take that one step further and my last question among all the ones that I have not gotten answered is why this ragtag <laughs> group of freaking goofballs I don't know. Uh, what's the significance no of that I've been asking that for six years bro is there a significance <laughs> to the people that are in this room or is it only a significance to the topic that we're talking about? I have no idea. Hey, David was pretty little and crappy when he rolled up on Goliath. Okay, too. I'm five nine, dude. I'm not that small. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Oh, oh, sorry. I thought, thought somebody was taking a shot at me being shot. No. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Read your Bible, bro. <laughs> uh, no, I, I have no idea. Dude, like, seriously, like, I mean, I've been asking this similar question in the vein uh, for six years. Like, trucker turned podcaster failed at most things I've ever tried in my life. And no idea why God told me that this was going to happen before it happened. I don't know how all this happened. I have no idea. I just did stuff and it worked. And that's why I believe that I didn't do anything. I think God built this for whatever reason. I have no idea. And I'm just this dope that has a podcast that people, for whatever reason, like listening to. And here we are. Here we are. Here we are. End scene. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, maybe we could end there. That'd be, that'd be, here we are. But no, I, I just, uh, I don't know, guys. Um, to be honest with you, it's after midnight and I'm really tired and I'm having a really hard time focusing and talking. Um, Jay's been falling asleep since we hit record. And so <laughs> um, let's let's uh, wrap it up because this has got gotten really long. And um, if people made it this far, congratulations. Before we get out of here, uh, let's just do a round table real quick. Who we are, wherever they can find us. And then we'll wrap it up, okay? Justin, go ahead. I'll, I'll start. I'm Tony Merkel of the Confessionals Podcast. Every Tuesday, we put out a show. Check it out if you want. Go ahead, Justin. Justin, Cribs of the Corn Podcast. Put out a show every Monday, Wednesday. Find us on all podcast platforms. Good. Eric Salagi, Uncomfortable Podcast. You can hear me anywhere you listen to the Confessionals, anywhere you listen to the Cryptids of the Corn. Anywhere you listen to Kill the Mockingbirds, I'm freaking tired, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm Joel Thomas. 
one half of Kill the Mockingbirds. You can find us on any platform. I also do music, if you didn't already know that, from Tony telling you earlier. Uh, you can find me at Joel Thomas on any platform as well. Um, and you can just really find everything from the link tree, which is slash Van Tesla music. Super easy. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this has been a different type of episode. Um, it's been all over the place. I know people are going to have more questions than answers. And trust me, we're in the same boat with you on that one. And until next week, stay safe, take care. And remember, the truth will set you free. But first, it'll piss you off. Bye. Like a cell, they wanna spin up, but the center of the nexus is me. Yeah.